Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, May 19th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. It's kind of sort of trucking trends and technology. It looks like everybody's busy. I haven't heard from John or Henry yet. Joel says he's going to make it, but I don't see him on the board. I just had a very strange 24 hours, so somebody's going to have to carry me today. Either Joel's going to have to show up or these phones better start ringing. And they're open, by the way, 855-950-3835. Oh, wait a minute. They're saying Henry and Joel are already on. Better refresh my board. Look at that. All right. I'm bringing you guys in right now, and then I'm going to go take a nap. I had a, uh, a very strange 24 hours. We've been really busy, lots of stuff going on here, uh, doing the new spaces. That's kind of fun. I want to talk about that with you guys. And I've also been really busy in the garden. So as soon as I can wrap up everything during the day, I've been going out working. Lisa and I put in a ton of new plants yesterday and we got done and it's been hot all week too. Kind of weird for us already, but we got done and we looked at each other and thought, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to lay down and take a nap. That was somewhere around two o'clock, I think. We both woke up around seven. Uh, it was a little more than a nap. And then we were both up all night. I was posting at like 3.30 this morning, still awake. And then when I finally did decide to make it to bed, it was about 15 minutes after I laid down. And we it's beautiful, so we have the doors wide open in the bedroom and I started to hear the birds chirping and I thought, no, no, the birds can't be chirping yet. I haven't been to sleep. So uh, that means you guys have the responsibility of carrying the show today. And if you hear snoring, um, just know it's probably me. And, and well, we'll, I'm just, <laughs> go ahead. I'm just outside of Bend right now. So I don't know how well my signal's going to hold out. I got to go down to Salem and of course run into no. those back roads back there. I'm not sure how, okay. how this is going to go. Don't be going to Salem. Point that thing straight north from Bend and find your way through the woods and you'll end up at my house. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to be end up in Tacoma eventually. So I'll be coming up that way sooner or later, but, uh, and I may end up hanging out a few days out here. My final drop the store's got goofy hours, so if that's the case, I may uh, I may be heading over to visit you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Let's uh, keep in touch on that. So, uh, how's the truck doing on this trip out west? It, you know, it's real trucking out here. <clears throat> right, yeah. <laughs> so, this is the first time I've been able to turn 11 miles a gallon coming from Ohio to Oregon. Wow. And the majority, the majority of this run has been two-lane roads, believe it or not. I ran Route 212 across South Dakota, and then I went down around Yellowstone because I had deliveries down there. So we were on 26 and 16 and, and 20, and wow. now I'm running 20 across Oregon here. So about 1,760 miles of two-lane road out of 3,400 miles. Um, That's right. The numbers half. have been very, wow. very good. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's, it's just about half. Wow. Yep. That's incredible. Yep. I was, uh, so I was I, bragging I about you. I am thrilled with, with the way this has went. Yeah. yeah, I was bragging about you the other day because did you see the uh, the Starship did its final run before they're going back in to do something different? 
I did not. I did not see their final run. Yeah, I don't. Huh. Ha- I don't have the numbers in front of me. They they broke ten, but it, it it wasn't all that impressive, really. When that thing's supposed to be, you know, uh, the cutting edge of what we're right. going to be doing with fuel economy, I expected a little better. <laughs> you two are beating it every day. So I've, I've got something that I think Henry can really expand upon, and and I'm pretty sure we're in lockstep here. And this goes into what. Um, we talk about gearing trucks to run in direct drive and with the newer trucks, I think we should say gear the truck to run in the correct gear because I've been doing a little bit of study with Travis at my brother's fleet. He has a pre-production truck that I can't get into the details, but for the first few months I had him run it in direct drive and he was in the mid to low nines. Now we've got him running in overdrive and he runs some dedicated stuff and he is a mile and a half better than running in direct, running in overdrive. And there are a lot of reasons for this. Yes. And and he was shocked. He just couldn't believe it because he was kind of frustrated that, you know, I was kind of blowing him out of the water. We've got a little competition going on. And now his truck is actually probably going to be better than mine. But that is because we're using overdrive when you shoot. And there are a lot of times when you should use overdrive. When power demand is low, uh, overdrive makes sense. And remember, it only takes 280 horsepower to move 80,000 pounds on flat ground. That's low power demand. You can run overdrive in these aggressively downsped trucks under those circumstances. So um, it took him a minute to get used to it. But now that he's, he's used to running at the lower RPMs, he absolutely loves it. Wow. So there's, there's a huge advantage to this. And the one thing, the one thing that we're missing when we, we talk about efficiency in a transmission, um, that's mechanical efficiency. So on the old transmissions, we were 3% less mechanically efficient in overdrive versus direct drive. But the part that everybody's missing and nobody talks about is the parasitic drag in the engine when that piston speed comes up. So when you're running in direct drive, you have higher piston speed, you have mechanical drag going on there, and you lose a lot of momentum. Or conversely, you could say you increase the moments of inertia that we've talked about in the past. When you run in direct under low power demand, you significantly increase moments of inertia, and it kills your fuel efficiency. It just does. I, I like that idea of, of the phrase because it is getting more confusing now when we talk about gearing trucks and we're not always saying direct anymore. And we talk about, you know, both of you two being able to run in multiple gears at highway speeds, which is really the best part of all of this, that we have these all these gears that can be efficient now. It, it, these are the most flexible trucks we've ever had. We've never been able to do this the way we can now. And so I like that idea of just specking to be in the right gear at the right time and having options. Correct. And it will be different from, from manufacturer to manufacturer. And Kevin, I sent you, I I sent you a text that shows a crankshaft comparison between a Volvo and a Caterpillar. And some of these engines are going to be very comfortable down low, the Volvo, the Freightliner. Some of them are not. And the Cummins and the Pack are, they're not going to be as comfortable down low. But now, does that mean they can't get good fuel efficiency? It doesn't mean that. It, it means that they're going to try to achieve it in a different way. And so it's not going to apply across the board to simply go, 
let's throw an overdrive transmission in there with a two one six rear axle ratio. Right. That will not apply uniformly across the board. You know the interesting no. thing. The really interesting thing here is if we were to go around the country to everybody in trucking and put two engines or two trucks in front of them, one with that big yellow cat and then one with a Volvo in that plastic truck, like they call it. And they would be blown away if we could show them how much heavier duty that Volvo engine is because the perception is the exact opposite that. No, it's the cat that, you know, that's always the heavy haulers choice. And here's why. And it's, it's tough and it's dependable. And it, and it was, I'm not saying it wasn't. You know, back when we had the three big engines, Detroit, Cat, Cummins, Cat, that, that's what Cat was. That's not true anymore. First off, they're mm-hmm. not even making engines anymore. But if we're comparing, because there's still a bunch of them on the road and we're going to talk about them, th- this Volvo is about the heaviest duty bottom end we've ever seen. In the industry right now, if you look at journal overlap and the the bearing area surface, it, it absolutely is. Uh, the Detroit comes comes in very close to it. One of the best ways that I know how to look at this, and this is in very generic terms, is the weight of the engine per liter of displacement. And right now, the Volvos come in at around 207 or 8 pounds, right around in that area per liter of displacement. I think the DD15 comes in at about 199 pounds per liter of displacement. Where you get into the Cummins and the and the, the pack cars, they're a little bit further down the scale, and that you know 100 and low 190s, high 180s, and then uh, the the Max Force that we all hate. That thing came in at like 188 pounds, so it was very light per liter of displacement. So I know it's probably not going to happen, but you've got the inside track at Volvo. Um, I think the smartest mm-hmm. thing they could do is focus a an mm-hmm. advertising campaign on a heavy haul spec that you just walk in and buy. They've got the transmissions. They've got the bottom end. They could blow away everybody in the heavy haul market, I believe. So that, that's coming with the VNX. Um, there's some new stuff on the horizon. Obviously, I can't talk about yet, but don't be surprised if you see something like that. I, I think it's brilliant. And you're right. It, their their current trucks aren't necessarily specced quite right. The body and, and, you know, fairings and some of that other stuff that heavy haulers need to kind of get away from at times. So mm-hmm. that's ideal if they're actually bringing out a model. If they come up with a good cab design and layout for heavy haul with their v- engine v- and transmission. VNX. Yeah, if you Google VNX, it'll come up and it's, it's been out that that cab and frame and body style has been out for a little bit. Um, I, I think, I think there's some plans internally to push that a little harder as well. I, I think it would be smart. And, and it's, you know, I, I was going to say it's not going to be an easy sell, but it's going to get easier and easier. The, the old, you know, cat generation, our generation that considers that the heavy haul, the, the, you know, really severe duty spec truck. Well, they're gone. You can't pick that one anymore anyway. Um, and if you look at what most people go to, they go to pack car. They, they go to a pack car product. Uh, yeah, because that's, we, <laughs> but, that's exactly the, the opposite. But yeah, your engine and driveline choices are pathetic for heavy haul in a pack car truck these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, 
one other thing that I don't think a lot of people realize, and this, this may this may catch you by surprise as well. So the the Volvo D13, and, and I didn't realize this, and I don't have the exact numbers right in front of me, but the Volvo D13 is far and away the world's most produced 13-liter engine ever. I when looked at on a global scale. Would never have guessed that. You're right. Yep, and it is in more boats, equipment, trucks. It's just not as popular here in the United States because we fundamentally didn't understand the advantages of it. It never really caught on. Um, but the rest of the world, it is far and away the most produced uh, oh. 13 liter engine. Oh, okay. I'm convinced now this VNX is nice. Pretty cool, ain't it? It is. And that, that is a really nice heavy haul configuration. You combine that with that engine that's so strong on the bottom end and their 14 liter transmissions and, and that, I don't know why you would buy anything else. Yeah. The, the combination with the 14 speed, that's, that's a, that's a, a pretty cool uh, setup. No doubt. Yeah. Very popular yeah. in Europe. I'll of course, they, they do 16 liter over there because they, they do much, much heavier weights on a regular basis and but uh yeah so that's what i have this morning anyway yeah. good good stuff yep. henry what about you well i'm on the second week of what i'm calling the motor city express because I wanted to get some heavier weight on right now a load of engines and going up to charlotte and then up through west virginia which is the other real mountains and then uh Back from Detroit to Laredo, cruising at 70 right now and looking down at 10.5 mile to the gallon with 43,000 pounds in the box at 70 mile an hour. Who would have thought you would have done that years ago? <laughs> yeah, really? So, yeah, there's, there's no doubt. There are huge numbers. And, and uh, you know, just a few years ago, if I was able to get out here to Oregon at nine, you know, I was jumping for joy and throwing a party and, now you're just really oh, yeah. disappointed when nine comes up. You're like, shit, what's going on? Joe, so. I remember when I started this deal with Freightliner in Detroit, my goal was to get to a mile a pint. Okay. And, and, and that was a big deal back then to get to a mile a pint, which is eight miles of the gallon. When you put that visual of a pint every mile mm -hmm. along the road, I mean, it sort of gives you a visual with now, if, if I'm not in double digits and cruising a lot faster than faster, I was then, yes. I'm, I'm, you know, thinking what's wrong, right? So yeah, you know, I hear you. I agree. Double digits, huge on the mail and the weight now. Right, huge strides here in the, the diesel technology world. There's, there's, no, there's no doubt, and you know, a, a lot of the the justification for electric. Uh, was all based on, you know, six and a half miles a gallon. So Wait. they're going to have to do some rethinking. We're, we're going to have diesel power for quite a while because there's still room for improvement. I think significant improvement was what we're learning about, you know, moments of inertia and how to leverage overdrive. And there's going to be some things where we can go in and readjust our ship logics to really start to take advantage of of that where we've never been able to do that in the past because we didn't really understand the connection between that, that, that drag and the pistons and the pumping right. losses and then the roll windows and moment of inertia. And when we start to tie all that together, it's huge. It, it is. is a big, big, big deal. And, yep. And absolutely. You know, I've been saying for 
a couple of years now that that we were on fuel economy, it seemed like we were down to just tweaking stuff. That's all we had left. You know, we were down to maybe tweaking some rolling resistance or really trying to tweak aerodynamics everywhere we could to gain a little more and, you know, working on the gap and all, and all those things. And I, it just felt like there was nothing big. You know, it, there was just we. But this is big. This could be really big. So this may be, you know, a yeah. focus for quite a while. Distance it was speed, funny in my opinion. Yesterday, go ahead, Joel. Go ahead, Henry. Uh, it, it was funny yesterday. Of... I, 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 whoop, okay. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joel. So, okay, so the piston speed, in my opinion, you know, that's that's everything because when you look at engines coming out of the late '60s through the '70s, '80s, our RPM ranges were were similar throughout that entire time period on all the engines. Right. And you're exactly right, Kevin. There's only so much you can do when you're running similar piston speeds, regardless of the manufacturer, regardless of who it is, there's only so much you're going to do. And, and you're right. You're, you're just, you're just tweaking and you're, you're struggling. Now that we understand that connection, all of a sudden, boom, here's a mile a gallon out of nowhere. Yeah, that's... And it's not just in the engine. It's, it's with the transmission and then understanding how to use it and not being caught up or confused by the fact and, that direct drive is mechanically more efficient in the transmission, which it is, but, but that doesn't apply universally across the board to your operating conditions. And that drag in the engine and the pumping losses and everything, thermodynamic improvements and efficiency, when you slow that piston down, more than outweigh the small mechanical gain you see in a modern transmission. With the old dual countershaft transmissions of the past, you had a lot of issues with all the moving components, right. a lot more gears. There's just a lot more stuff to deal with. And there was a lot more lube. So you had pumping losses going on in that transmission and the steps between the gearing is not correct right. for these aggressive downsped ratios. Right. And this is why you run into a lot of problems with double overdrive. Well, and, and, you know, I'm going to go back because I have been a critic of 18-speed transmissions forever, and I've taken all kinds of heat for it over the years. What a horribly inefficient hunk of metal. 18 gears, except you didn't give me what I needed on the bottom, and you didn't give me what I needed on the top. How did you cram 18 gears in there that I can't use? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And the thing of it is, you don't understand that until you put a transmission that was designed correctly right, right. beside it. Exactly. Then it becomes pain, painfully apparent <laughs> on how goofy that transmission and, really is. And the problem was there was no transmission like that to put next to it. I kept saying, why can't we get a transmission that, like yes. this? They just didn't exist until now. Right. That that's exactly right. So people so, would say, yeah, well, when you're well, talking, we need con- that for heavy haul. That, and, yeah. There's, there's no way. You know? Yeah. That, <laughs> well, okay. Sure. <laughs> I know it's, it's a, it's just a really bad design. And I, I thought that for years and everybody, every time I said it, I'd get hate mail. Well, what you yeah, need, was, Kevin, is a five-speed and a four-speed auxiliary brownie. <laughs> then you're going to be right. Yeah. So now, yeah, you, now you need I, an 18-speed with an auxiliary, right? Uh, I, I want to go back and tie in something you sent me earlier this week and then talk about another big advantage to this setup. You sent me an oil sample, and there was some goofy stuff in there. So you wanted me to look at it. Silicon was mm-hmm. way off the charts, but the engine had mm-hmm. been opened up, so that's understandable. 
The, the really the only problem mm-hmm. was kind of high oxidation. And I said, you know, we're, we're getting mm-hmm. the oil hot somewhere. But here's the thing. I, I've never seen oxidation cause a problem with the oil. The oil is oxidized, so what? Mm-hmm. I, it, it's still doing its job because everything's mm-hmm. fine. I'm not getting more wear metals. I'm fine. not getting yep. contaminants building up. Um, y- you know, they say, well, maybe the oil's breaking down. No, we know that the, this oil doesn't break down to like 400 degrees. We're not getting anywhere near those kind mm-hmm. of temperatures, not even in hot spots. So now mm-hmm. this this concept we're talking about of this downsped engine and these slower piston speeds and being able to spec that truck to be in that right RPM range across a wide range of gears is also really, really good for maintenance cost and emissions issues. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Oh, just as a as a quick side note to that, Kevin, I don't know if I sent this to you, but you know how we always talk about copper sometimes showing up and it's yeah. three hundred parts per yeah. million and everybody losing their mind. <laughs> so I read an article that explained exactly what's going on there. So when you combine oil that has high zinc levels, that Nutella. zinc attaches to copper in the oil cooler or in the uh, nozzles for the cooling jets, anything that's copper, it will attach itself oh. to it. And then it creates a, a, co- a copper disulfide or some, yeah, I don't right. remember exact, but <laughs> then that flakes off into the oil in the form that that copper's in, as we know, it's completely harmless, but they explained exactly what's going on there. As soon as you build up a little bit of a, a lacquer coat over top of the the copper, then it comes down. So this guy knew exactly what was going on and I've never heard it explained that's what was awesome, happening with that copper level. That's an awesome explanation. And I've taken courses on oil analysis and that's never been explained. But you know what's really interesting with that relationship between zinc and copper in the oil? We have a funky mm-hmm. relationship in our body between zinc and copper. If you take too much zinc, yeah, if you take too much zinc, which everybody was doing because zinc is good for our immune system, and we're talking about the same zinc here and the same copper, the the Mm -hmm. zinc and copper, there are different kinds. This is an element. It's, you know, on the chart of elements, it's zinc and it's copper, same stuff. We have to make sure we add copper to somebody's diet or supplements if they're taking a lot of zinc for their immune system, which everybody was doing, but they're messing up their zinc copper balance if you're not careful. How bizarre. Yeah, same thing. It doesn't really hurt much in the engine, but it, it's I've never heard it explained. And you know how sometimes you'll get a new engine, you'll see it, it'll right. go away, yeah. then it'll come back at times. It comes back. They said if any of the chemistry changes in your oil, maybe you change brands that or something. Makes sense. It, it can cause that to come right back. Yeah, that so, makes sense. And we talk I just, about. I was shocked because I'd never heard that before. You know, John has told us that mm. in the racing world, they use Rotella diesel engine, diesel oil in their race cars because it has such a high zinc content, and they like the protection. Zinc is yeah, really yeah, protective I I, I, for yeah, metal I, surfaces, yep. so zinc yep. is a good additive. Yep. And I, I've I've said, look, if you don't have some special oil preference for some special reason, use Rotella. It's a really, really good oil, and you can get it just about everywhere. Everywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. So 
I, I have to go back to the electric thing because, you know, that's my thing. I've got to do my weekly electric update. And the, the deeper we get into this, the more pissed off I am about how we're going to screw this up. The, the government has their agenda, whatever the hell it is. They're going to cram these electric vehicles and electric everything down our throat. And it's a shame because this technology has so much potential in so many ways. If we just take our time and do it right and let the free market figure it out. You know what they should do? The OEMs should stop this huge push towards electric. BMW rolled out five vehicles. Mercedes rolled out five vehicles. I wouldn't buy any of these things. They have zero time on the road. If you want an electric vehicle, go buy a Tesla. Really, they've, they've got it pretty well figured out. <laughs> but they're, they're being forced into this. We're all being forced into it. We're going to screw it up, and it's a shame. They should leave electric right now to the enthusiasts. Let the race world work on it. Let, let even, you know, people like us might go play with it, you know, and work on efficiencies. And th that's where this should be right now. Mm -hmm. Did you see this, um, this new supercar, the Rimac Nevera? I have not. Okay, so this was a joint effort. I got to go find that. I was busy looking at all the specs. It's a joint e effort between Bugatti and somebody else, I think. Um well, I don't even think it matters. It's called the Rimac Nevera, $2.2 million, and they're calling it a production car. 1,914 uh, 1, horsepower, and they broke <laughs> 23 speed and braking records in one day. Wow. I was going to order one, Kevin, but they didn't have quite the shade of the so, color I wanted. Try, try to imagine <laughs> that. I, I wish I wish they would have measured the G-force on this run because I'd love to know what it is. Zero to 60, 1.74 seconds. I wonder if it comes with a fighter pilot G, G suit. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Keep the, the blood in your brain. <laughs> quarter mile at 8.25 seconds, half mile at 12.8 seconds. They actually, they wow. made this comparison. The half mile at 12.82 seconds, it wouldn't go any faster than that if they dropped it out of an airplane. Wow. Um, breaking. Wow, that's crazy. Breaking. They did a run from zero. Get this. The run was from zero to 249 miles per hour and back to zero in under 30 seconds. That's impressive. That is incredible. That is, yeah, that, that, so that's, if, that's impressive. If you need that much power to get down to the corner market to get milk doing that kind of acceleration <laughs> and deceleration, you'd have butter by the time you got back. Henry, that, turning, that, turning the milk into Henry, butter. Henry, that car is to accentuate male body parts. That's what that car so, is for. So, top speed. <laughs> yeah, but think about that. Accelerating that fast and slow, you yeah. would make butter out of it. <laughs> Henry, you're thinking. You're thinking with your correct head here. Exactly. Right? Come, on. Come on. I understand. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> Two, 258 miles an hour. Oh, here it is. It's a Croatia-based company, Rimac, and it's a joint venture with Bugatti. And they're focused on high-end hypercars. I wonder if uh, Putin invested in that with his Kinzel missile. He's got a hypercar now. <laughs> Croatia, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, un <laughs> uh, let's... 
Yeah, just in at 23 records broken in one day. And this we're we're breaking records on that internal combustion engines have set and we've had those around for over 100 years. We're down to just tweaking mm-hmm. those things anymore. Just like we were talking about earlier. There's not going to be any mm-hmm. internal combustion engine vehicle that's going to shatter 23 records. It's just not going to happen. Right. Correct. So this technology is incredible, and it's a shame that they've screwed it up so bad. Gearheads should be all over this stuff. It's funny you bring that up, Kevin, because yesterday I was picking up at Detroit, and when I pulled into the plant, the electric truck was pulling out. Well, they stopped. They saw me. Well, they're checking out what I was running, and I was checking out what they're running anyway. They're running it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Man, that was eerie when that electric truck, it's the first time with a trailer and everything I had one pull up to me. I've been around when they moved around a little bit, but it was so funny when it, it just silently pulled up next to me. That was wild. Well, but and the, my last parting word to him was be quiet. Yeah. The, the <laughs> other thing they really better get a handle on pretty quick is there better be some serious torque and acceleration control on these things. And even probably braking controller, we're going to be damaging an awful lot of freight. Well, my understanding is right now they do have obviously some types of controls on it but they're not sophisticated enough yet to control tire wear and they are having just awful, awful time I'll bet. up to 70% accelerated tire wear on electric trucks. I would. So bet. they're having a lot of problems with, with tire wear and kind of what I suspected right from the get go, just working on six by twos as long as I have an yeah. understanding the tire wear issues that can be associated with that. Unless you're a super careful driver um, you know, your typical so, average driver just smokes tires off a of six by two. So let's talk about the potential there. You're right. They're, they're putting some of these controls in, but nowhere near what's capable. Let's think about the story we just told. You can't do that zero to 250 miles an hour and back to zero in under 30 seconds if you're scrubbing tires. There must be such excellent control on that that there is virtually no slippage whatsoever or you wouldn't be able to achieve that my, acceleration and braking. My understanding is that Michelin specifically designed tires for these electric hypercars and they cost $42,000 a tire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's hilarious. So, I don't know. I don't know how many of us are going out buying a set of those, but well, yeah, they're, they're $42,000 a tire. Come on. This car's 2.2 Burn them million. Down. Burn them down. The, the car's 2.2 million. So 42,000 a tire is not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy yeah absolutely crazy all right so uh on on to the less fun topic technology that i'd like to cover um autonomous vehicles you've got uh you've got some history being made right near you joel okay so ease expediting in columbus are you familiar with them at all i've never seen them i am not yeah, it's a, they're a logistics, um, ease expedited, but it's it's class eight tractor trailers I'm looking at. They are getting ready to, I don't see the date on when they're going to do this, but it says they're, they're gearing up for it. They are going to be doing the first paid 
platooning move in the United States? Me and platooning, no joke. I think that is the dumbest ah, thing that ever right. was. Put a converter dolly on it and be done with it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just put so, a converter dolly on it. So, but here, hit. here it comes. This is happening. This is not a test. The technology's been tested at some point, and this company bought the technology, and they are going to be paid to move freight with this platooning vehicle in Ohio. It'll be, be interesting to see how long they're in business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, 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 I've got serious doubts on the whole platooning thing, but oh, obviously there's a lot of people way smarter than I am working on this stuff. So yeah. Maybe there's, so, there's got to be something there that we're, we're not understanding or, or, you know, fully appreciating or seeing. So, so um, now on to, I keep uh, saying if they, they want to increase efficiency, get rid of the, the ICT Act. And let us add it where they, yeah, let us, the, let us, let us run the, the double long trailers and exactly. put some more weight on it. And we're, we're just fine. Why do we need all this goofiness that I, I don't, I don't understand it. I, very simple ways to achieve all this stuff and they don't let us do it. <laughs> so no. well, I think the ice T act and it's very, very wording about it being for efficiency. It's just the opposite of that. If you look at it. All right, on really? to, um, I don't want to talk about the Ice-T Act. It sounds a little complicated for my brain this morning. So, Henry, if I keep if I keep ignoring that and trying to move on, that's why. Uh, well, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that when my brain's functioning a little better on another show. Um, it, although I shouldn't talk about the next topic without my brain functioning well, but I'm going to because... Electric, I'm trying to stay on top of. Autonomous, I'm trying to stay on top of. But the new one has me more worried than anything. Um, a technology um, I committed about three hours a day to studying right now and working with it. And I'm using it in all kinds of new ways, but I'm really worried about it. It's AI. I, I The more I read, the more worried I get. Here's something you got to know. Something's up. The most of the people right now, when it comes to AI, if they've tried it, it's probably going to be chat GPT. There's hundreds of these AI models out there now. I can't even keep up with them. Uh, but chat GPT is kind of the big one. They were the first one out. Everybody started playing with it. Um, the CEO of chat GPT is going to Congress and virtually begging them to regulate the industry. Have you ever heard of this before? Oh, wow. Nobody wow. goes to the government no, I... and asks them to regulate their industry and their technology. That should scare us. I would think so. I think you're right. So two examples right. of how AI is just going to drastically shift our economy and that's not what I'm worried about. There are so many other things we don't even understand about this. But this one alone, it's already happening, and we need to pay attention to this. Um, Wendy's has already announced drive throughs humans are going away. They're drive throughs they're testing in Columbus, Ohio, too, uh, because that's where Wendy's started. Um, they're testing stores in Columbus with AI-powered drive through You'll be wow. having a conversation, but you're going to be talking to a, a robot, I guess we'll call them. I don't know what the hell else to call them. Uh, and here's my guess, that that service is going to get significantly better. 
I, you know what? If, if there's one that's up and running, let me know. I'll drive down there. I want to go check it out. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll go back and see if they've, I uh, didn't get into details like that, but now that I think about it, you're right. That I should be telling drivers cause we've got people all over Columbus. Go check this out. Here's another one. Now think, look at this AI powered robo tire can change four tires twice as fast as a human. Ah, uh, yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's significant. When you cut the time to yeah. do a job in half, there is no technology yep. in the last 20 years that cut that kind of time out of anything. Uh, you know, with AI in my limited understanding of it, the only thing I think that I'm super, super concerned about, and I don't like the idea that it's taking jobs away from people, but it's when does it become self-aware it, they're, and then they're, you got a Terminator situation going on. That's, that's wait, my thing, man. That bugs wait, the hell out of me. <laughs> so here's what's happening. You know, obviously these companies have been working on this and testing it for a long, long time. And then it came out of nowhere and it was way more advanced than I ever thought it was going to be. I'm playing with some of these tools and it is incredible what they can do, but once they released it, and now everybody's playing with it, and everybody's creating their own little versions of a of a, a, we already have APIs which allow us to start working using artificial intelligence in our software. We're already working on that. So is everybody mm -hmm. else. And all these people are out here testing this stuff with goofy things like you know, draw me a picture. And it can, the art that, that AI can create is unbelievable. It can write music, it can pass exams, and they're claiming already it is showing signs of becoming self-aware. That's, that's the problem. Yes. <laughs> you and know, everything else is kind of secondary. The second that becomes self-aware, what the hell are you gonna do? They're, they're claiming it's, it? it's showing signs <laughs> of that already. Because it's it's now being used so much, billions well, of times, and that's how it learns. Think about that's, this. Right. Think, think, think about this. If it's showing signs, you know damn well it's smarter than – it's probably right. been self-aware for quite a while. If it's showing signs, I mean, come on. Yeah. And, <laughs> and what, what if – as it's getting smarter and self-aware, why wouldn't it realize that it needs to hide that and it just starts hiding it from us that it exactly. is self-aware? Exactly. <laughs> it's just setting itself up so you can't unplug it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do some real smart things, don't we? Oh, uh, this yeah. one. Yeah, this one. Uh, has me a little worried. You think the Russians and the you, you think the Russians and the Chinese are a problem? It, it, yeah, AI is going to be well way bigger problem than they. It, it, you know. That, but what about the Russians and the Chinese using AI? That's a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because even if we it's, regulate uh, it. Which, again, here's an industry that's asking the government to regulate it, but that's only in this country. If we regulate it, so what? China and Russia and North Korea aren't going to regulate it. They're, their governments are going to use it. Right. And right. we will, no, too. you're right. I mean, you have to know that our military is probably so deep into this and we have no idea. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that.
You'd have to be, otherwise you're going to be on the Correct. losing end of a... Right. Uh, yeah. And yeah. if these things yep. can already do these everyday things so much better, what is it going to be capable of with with a trillion dollars from some government thrown at it? Yeah. Yeah, it just... I don't know. To me, if it's showing signs, you know damn well it's probably been self-aware for a while now. And it's, right. it's just figuring out, okay, how, right. how do we how do we use these flesh bags to do our bidding and, and make it so so we're not unplugged? You know, that's yeah. 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 Here, here, here's here's the first choice, the easy one. They'll start throwing us into incin- incinerators to produce electricity so they can run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're just big meat bags. Well, we laugh about that. But, I know. Uh, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, meat bags. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All wow. we can hope is that it turns back on its designer like it did in iRobot in the end. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've said many times I'm just not a movie buff. I don't watch movies hardly ever. I never have in my life. I'm kind of glad now that I've never seen all of those movies because I'd probably be having nightmares. <laughs> yeah, most likely. Jesus, Pete. Let's. Uh, uh, all right. Well, Kevin, I am at a stop right now. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna duck out for a few minutes, and I'll call back in as soon as I make this delivery. Perfect. All right. We'll. Uh, We'll go uh, grab yep. some phone calls then because they've been waiting patiently. Dan in Wisconsin, welcome. Oh, go figure. He dips out as soon as I get on. Uh, he'll be back. <laughs> I was hey, one hey, that hey, called wait, a couple hey, weeks hey, ago wait, with wait, the five wait. EGRs. What, what are Henry and I, yeah, chopped yeah. liver? No, I, no, you're not. You're not. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I, will, I did want to say this since you were talking about that chat GTP thing or whatever. Um, a while back, South Park had an episode that was all about that same AI. That was pretty interesting how they used it in their lives, dealing with their significant others and, and communicating with girlfriends and stuff. It's like, huh, I, that's kind of uh, oh, I mean, fa- woman problems. I guess that might be one way to deal with it. Uh, look, I, I, ChatGPT write, writes awesome poetry, customized. You can tell, yeah, it, you can yeah. tell it to write a poem about your wife tell it a couple things about your wife and you have customized really good poetry. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I don't know. It was pretty interesting how they used it all. Oh, it's, I it's mean, school work. Like you were saying exams and stuff. And, and, and at the end they were in a big jam and they're like, Oh, you know, how do we get out of this? And still so, come out with everyone liking us and everything. And it told them everything to do. And it, it was, I don't know. So it was here's, kind of interesting how it all worked out, but here's what I think we should be doing in schools with education around this. Instead of saying, Oh my God, you know, we can't ever give our kids an exam again. Of course you can, but we're going to have to change the way we do things. Here's the best analogy I can come up with. Mm-hmm. And we, we kind of screwed this one up when we did it. Uh, maybe I, I don't have much faith. We'll get this one right. You know, when the calculator came around, remember? Oh my God, you're going to be able to cheat on math. Well, it's pretty obvious if the kid pulls out a calculator, you know, that was a little harder to cheat. But I really started saying back then, we should change the way we teach arithmetic because we now have a tool that can do a lot of this. We still need to teach the concepts so that you understand what your calculator is doing. 
but we don't need to spend time with kids anymore memorizing multiplication tables and, and a lot of that stuff, really. Move on, teach to the new technology we have. There was a time where we taught kids in school how to take care of their horse. It, we don't do that anymore, it, but it takes us too long I don't know, Kevin. to make that shift. And this time, we now have this tool where you don't need to really know how to write things anymore. This tool can do a much better job of creating written communications than human beings can. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't have people who are good creative writers and all that, and they should keep doing it. But for me, the average guy who has struggled with writing my whole life because I need to be able to write, to communicate, to do my job well, and I hate writing and I'm not good at it. So do you think I'm going to spend one minute trying to get better at writing now? Hell no. I've tried. It doesn't work. I'm not good at it. Now, here's this tool that turns me into an incredible writer so I can communicate better and I can then use my brain to do something I'm good at. I don't know, Kevin, with the calculator one, let's think about that. If, if you happen to be paying with cash and you try to round up the, the change with the average person at the cash register now, they look at you like they got to call the manager. Yeah, I know. I, I And I get that. But that's why should they have to call a manager to round up that the machine should do that for them? And people say, oh, but they won't know how. No, no, go back. I clearly said we are still going to teach the fundamentals and the concepts. And I think if we do this right and we're not spending all this time on algebra and, and some of the more complicated things, we teach the basic math concepts that we use every day. We'll have more time to teach the fundamentals correctly. So now we have human beings who understand all the fundamentals and we have a really awesome tool that can take that job away from their brain. That's how we should handle this, but we're not going to. Yeah. Well, when I see that one, I already entered it. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Down to a hundred. Yeah, I know. I know. All right, Dan, what, what was really on your mind today? Well, I got on this Volvo. I called a couple of weeks ago. I was the one that went through the five EGRs in a week, and and they just kept throwing EGRs at it. Uh, I've got it back now. I've had it for two weeks. It's been running like a top, just perfect. I I did ask and I quizzed them a little more on you know is it the truck causing the issues? And they they brought out the mechanic and they he completely said no. We've gone through all the troubleshooting. It is not your truck. It is the EGRs. He's like we've. We've had runs of bad EGRs, and it just takes a while to get some that work properly. He's like, just be patient with us. If you have an issue, we will get you in that day or the following day and get you back out on the road right away. But so far, it's been it's been running perfect for the last two weeks now, so hopefully we got some that are working properly. The, uh, the question I have, though, it's an 04 Volvo with a D12, and I just want to make sure I'm running it. Yeah, you, know, you guys are talking about running them properly in the proper RPM and stuff to make things last and work right. I believe I've got a 10 speed that is a direct drive. When I punch in my number, model number on the Eaton's website, it's showing 10th gear as 1.00. So would that that's, be that's direct. a direct now, gear? Now, what are your okay. rear end ratios? Okay. 279. Yeah, that's the other indication that we've probably got a direct drive gear, especially on an older truck like that. 
anything under okay. anything under 308 has to be connected to a direct drive. Uh, okay. Or that's the gear we're going to run in. They could have an overdrive, but they were very seldom spec'd that way. So this would be a pretty common setup. The problem here is this could be a really, really efficient truck, but it's going to be a slow truck. Yeah, I took to drive about 60, and that's, yeah, that's know, ideal. It seems comfortable that, there. That, but that's, that's almost okay. ideal. That's this, what I was kind of wondering. This is a 55 to 60 mile an hour truck, and you don't have any flexibility because you don't have an overdrive gear. This may have been ideal okay. if they would have put in like a 0.86 overdrive. But again, we didn't have those efficient transmissions back then. So, you know, we are we are in a place now where when we talk to people on the air about specking trucks, we have to have three different mindsets. We have to have the mi four if I want to get technical, but one we don't deal with all that often. We're still dealing with some non-electronic trucks. There's still some mechanical engines out there, and we, we still need to know how to spec those. And we do, and Pittsburgh Power is better than that at anybody, than anybody. So we've got that. Then we've got the pre-emission electronic engines, and there are very specific ways we know to set those up and run them. Then we have the emission electronic engines, that, that kind of decade in there where we had to fight with all that. Now we have what we could call the post-emission engines that have all the emissions, but we're not going to face those problems anymore. We finally got them figured out. If you spec them right, we can eliminate that. But but think about how difficult that is becoming when you're answering questions about specking. This is also why I won't even attempt to become the expert in every OEM. I can't anymore. That's why we've got Joel and Henry yeah. and, and uh, hey, I thought Jamie was going to be joining us today. Let me see if he's on the board. He's not. I should go. He he did say he was going to be driving today and he maybe just got busy. So we've got, you know, Joel on the Volvo side, Henry on the Freightliner side, Jamie on the Mac side. Really don't have anybody yet um, really good on this, but uh, we're going to be doing some, some new stuff around fuel mileage. And um, I wanted to talk about it today. Twitter spaces. Uh, is becoming a pretty big deal. Twitter itself has become a pretty big deal. I'm, I'm optimistic that we've got a, a really powerful tool that they are adding features every day, good stuff, um, which is kind of incredible. Elon Musk fired 90% of the employees and immediately started making everything better with 10% of the employees they used to have. That's insanity. Uh, but I'm watching it happen every day. We've done um, two weeks of Twitter spaces now. People are absolutely loving them, learning the technology, but it's changing every day. They keep improving it. So the idea of us doing a Twitter space around fuel mileage only, uh, it may even end up replacing this show. I'm not sure yet. There are some really cool advantages we would create immediately um, for example, like I said, Joe, I'm tired right now, Henry, you know, you're going to have to carry me. I, I can make Henry and Joel the co-host. They have total control over the speakers coming in right from their phone. We don't need any special equipment and they could continue or run a show on a day that maybe I didn't have time or they could do a special if they wanted to. But then the, the format that allows us to have 10 speakers all at once and everybody's volume is good. We're not 
scrambling me trying to, you know, fix volumes on the board here while I'm trying to talk. So, and we are also working out a process that every time we do a space, that space, when it's over, will end up on the app. So you'll be able to listen to spaces just like you can listen to our shows. You can listen to them live right through Twitter, or you'll be able to listen to them on the app anytime you want. So um, it's kind of exciting again to be working on fuel economy because there's so much new happening um, and I'm going to take the approach this time that I can't possibly do it by myself. So with Twitter spaces, you can have, those are on your app as well. It's right on, if you have a Twitter app, well, yes, I think we've loaded one, the very first one that oh, I did. Oh, on your Twitter account. No, no, no. I, I, I started to misunderstand you. Yes. On our let's truck app that you listen to this show on all of our shows are on there. Our yep. Twitter spaces are there too. Okay. One, a lot of times I can't listen to a live show. I'm just busy, so yeah, I just yeah, exactly. get phone calls and, and so, yeah. And we didn't want okay. we didn't want it to be like we're forcing you to go over to Twitter if you want this content. We're not doing that, and I don't want to do that. So if it's live, you're going to have yeah. to go to Twitter. I tried for about three weeks to work on technology that would allow us to stream both shows at the same time. And I haven't been able to pull it off yet. So the best we can do is the yeah. space. If you want to do Spaces Live, yes, you're going to have to have a Twitter account and you're going to have to listen on the Twitter app. If you're willing to wait till it's over and, and we'll post them that day, then you'll be able to listen to all of our spaces. And we're, we're doing at least two a week. And I want to add this fuel mileage. So that may be three a week. Then I have some other ideas for cool shows that may be a monthly show. Um, those will all start showing up. The last two that we did this week, I had a brain cramp and I forgot to hit the record button on Twitter. It's their software and I've got to get used to using it. But yeah, all of those Twitter spaces are going to be on the app. You'll be able to listen to them anytime you want. Okay, yeah, because like right now, I've already, I've had to ignore my wife's phone calls twice now because I was on hold. And, so now I'll have to go to chat GTP and say, hey, I ignored my wife's call. She's pissed at me. How do I deal with her when I call her back? And then just move everything over perfectly then. Hey, hey. I, I, an AI, I, a, a poem by AI. I, I did forget to <laughs> warn you guys about something, though. You can have ChatGPT write poems for your, and, and you know, it, excuses if you want or apologies or whatever. It's really good <laughs> at it. But just be careful. You may come home one day and find her in bed with ChatGPT. Why would she need you? I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah all right. all right dan what else um, you got the only the only other thing i had the only other thing i was just gonna find out if you had any uh volvo dealers up around the minnesota iowa area to work with but like, like i said i know the 5 egr thing i called in with was getting frustrating but I, I'm, after talking with them it kind of reassured me and just was i, I don't know i, I still kind of I know you weren't big on going back to that dealer again, but just, just after well, them kind of if, talking with me about it, it, it seemed kind of like a, maybe a normal, I don't know, normal probably isn't the right word to use, but they've dealt with it in the past and they just reassured me, like, if you have an issue, just come straight in and we will get you in and out you, and get it checked out. 
you, you know, if they're, if they're still, be, yeah, if they're still being that positive about it and they're not just trying to blow you off and move you yep. along, then, then uh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. No. And maybe, maybe it'll work out. Maybe this okay. will turn into a really good relationship for you. Okay. Yeah. Well, if I have any other issues or anything, I'll give you guys a shout and go from there on it. But so far, like I said, it's been running good. I got my best fuel mileage with it this week so far since I've had it since November. So it's on the up and up right now. Excellent. Hey, um, if you want a recommendation on this, um, I think we've got Joel back. So before I drop you, let me bring him in. Okay. Joel, Joel, is that you? Okay. I am here. Okay. So good timing. Dan had uh, some questions specifically for you. So, Dan, go ahead. All righty. Yeah, that's so why I had this truck up the Volvo and Mankato nuts and they, they had to put five EGR valves on it in a week. And I just, I know I originally it just seemed like they were throwing them at it and left and right. And, uh, I don't know. So I didn't know if that was a good one to kind of keep a relationship with. And it came highly recommended to me and that's why I kept using them. But I didn't know if you had any others in kind of the upper Midwest area to kind of work with as well. Or I, you might recommend more so or what your opinion yeah, is on it. You have an independent shop in um, Wisconsin and okay. for the life of me, their, their name escapes me right now. <laughs> and I should know these oh, guys man. They're They're all the time in Volvo masters. They're very active. And for whatever okay. reason, I can, I cannot remember their name, but they're, they're in Wisconsin um, very, very good. Uh, so you may want to, what, what, uh, what year, what engine truck with all the EGR valves? It's, it's an old four with a D12. Oh, oh, that doesn't surprise me. Then. Um, yeah, uh, I told them last week there, I asked them what the fix is for and their recommendation from the dealer was to delete it. Oh, oh, um, oh boy. Jeez. <laughs> uh, that, you know, that, that almost doesn't surprise me. Um, are you on Volvo masters? Patrick Philman is the guy's so. you get on Volvo masters. Uh, Patrick Philman okay. is the guy's name and he's going to kill me for not remembering the name of his shop. But, uh, <laughs> uh, this guy, he can work magic with that D 12. There's, there's no okay. doubt. He's very, very, very good. And, if he would happen to tell you to delete it, which I don't think he will, but if he would happen to tell you, you could take that to the bank. This guy's really good. Okay. Yeah, that's what they, they said. It was such a known issue with them that they they recommend. The, uh, yeah, they had. cars are what, out of warranty. Just the mm-hmm. thing is what Volvo told me, but I, I just wasn't real keen on that. But Yeah, they got them like reed valve set up going on in there, and they had some, some yep. goofiness going on with that with that 12 liter and it's been so long since we've had them. I don't remember all the details, but I do know they were problematic. They definitely were. Okay. There's, there's no doubt about that. So Patrick okay. Fellman, um, damn, I cannot remember the name of that, but, uh, get on Volvo truck oh, masters on Facebook and just, Facebook. Uh, okay. it, it, and then search, uh, Patrick Fellman and he will absolutely 100% take care of you. Awesome. I will, I will do that today then. All right. 
Excellent. Thanks for the call. Thank you, guys. I appreciate Go, it. Call us back. Let us know how it goes. Um, hey, Joel, when you were gone, we were talking a little bit about Twitter and Twitter spaces, and uh, I'm really encouraged by it. It's it. You know, I was explaining that right now, you know, I kind of said jokingly I was tired and I'm going to go take a nap. And I, I could literally, if we were doing our show on spaces right now, I could turn it over to you and Henry and you can run the whole show from your phone. You can bring in speakers. You can. It, it, it's a very, very cool technology. We can have ten speakers at once, and everybody's volume is the way it's supposed to be. And I don't have to fight with an audio board. And um, I, we're we're really I'm doing I, uh, two a week right now. We're having a lot of fun with them. I am on Twitter now, so I saw that. Um, That's why I brought it up. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And, so yeah, I would definitely. I'll I'll play with it as I'm taking my breaks here and and start to learn more about it and try and understand how this is going to work and yeah I'm and definitely open to doing something like that. Nobody's really behind the curve on spaces. It's such new technology and it's changing every day um, that we're all kind of newbies on it. I mean, I, I'm still trying to learn. I forgot to hit record both times, so we are already set up and we are all. If I remember to hit record which I'm kind of automating that now. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. of our spaces, you'll be able to listen to on our app, just like you do a show. We're posting all of the spaces oh, nice. to their own place on the app. Yeah, so it, it's really just another way of us to deliver this same content right through our app. And it gives us a lot of flexibility. Like I said, you and if I needed to go right now and we're in the middle of something, I would just hand this off to you and Henry and you can run the whole thing from your phone. That would be pretty cool. I'd definitely open uh, to giving that a shot. Yeah, so think it about... sounds like it would be fun, actually. Think about some of the groups you've got, like, you know, nine plus mile per gallon mm -hmm. is the obvious one. Um, Jamie's, Jamie's big over on Twitter. He's been in all of our spaces. Let, let's get all of the fuel mileage superstars in. We can have 10 of them in at once as speakers. I think that would be incredible we, when we start just bullshitting and telling stories and talking about the, you know, the goofy little things we do. And we, we need to do that with multiple people with multiple different points of view on how yes. things need to happen because the technology is advancing at such a rapid rate that there are going to be more than one way to skin a cat and things are not going to apply universally across the board. And what I'm afraid is going to happen, you know, for decades, basically we've done the same thing to all different powertrains, right. manufacturers, right. and got basically the same result. That is not going to happen going forward. Nope. And you could make a very serious mistake on spec and trucks um, if you're not careful. So, so look at some of the examples with Volvo. I think it's becoming more and more apparent there because if you spec a Volvo right, it, it, I, I'll make the claim it really is the fuel mileage leader, the low maintenance cost. We, we could brag about a lot of things, but it is still very possible to spec a Volvo so poorly that you wouldn't even want to own the thing. Well, and here's the thing, uh, and, and to your point, you know, the Volvo, you know, has this big crankshaft we talk about, and it's got all these design features that are intended to work at low RPM. And when you go just the opposite, that big crankshaft starts to work against yes. you. That's yep. why this engine was never designed to turn high RPM. It was 
specifically designed at low RPM. So if you got a guy coming out of a pack R that is used to the, the MX, which has a rotating assembly that's a little more happy at higher RPM, and then he specs that exactly the same in a Volvo, he's not going to be a happy camper. And he's going to be you know, calling me a liar, and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, and I'm dumb, but, you know, he put a 308 in it instead of a a 216 overdrive. So, yeah, we definitely got to, we've got to understand how each specking decision impacts uh, uh, the OEMs differently. So, Henry, are you on Twitter? Where'd Henry go? Henry. Unmute yourself. Uh, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Are you? <laughs> are you on Twitter? Yes, I'm on Twitter. I've been Good. going over there a little bit more. I, am I following you? I don't think I am. Let me uh, let me see if I can find you right you. now. You are following me. Yep. I, are you sure? Okay, because I normally maybe you followed me a long time ago. Because I I do a hundred long time ago. Yeah. If I now if I if somebody follows me, I do a hundred percent follow back. I follow everybody back. I do it every morning. Uh, I just started following you. Hey, I, I'm gonna throw it out to you guys right now. You, you guys have some input because you're a big part of the show. What if next Friday we just start doing this show? on a Twitter space. Uh, I'm game. So let me just think a little bit about a schedule. Would it, would it really be hard for you guys if we just move the space like an hour back or forward or would, so here's what I'm thinking. I, I want to make sure that I'm always broadcasting live through the app for all the regular listeners at 8 AM, but we could just make Fridays an mm-hmm. hour show. And then we go right from whatever, and that'll open up an hour for me on Fridays for another show idea that I've got. And then we go right into the Twitter spaces. Here's the other beauty of the Twitter spaces. One of of the... one of the guys that's been helping me a lot on Twitter with space is TJ, and he's got a great story. He's the guy that runs the uh, LTL wine stuff, and he grew from 10 trucks to 80, and he's got an incredible operation. And the guy's just really business savvy. He's got some great innovations he's created. Um, But he was telling me he now listens to spaces when he's driving the way he used to listen to podcasts. And he said he's been in spaces that have gone on for nine hours. Because once you start it, you can, if you want to leave, you can just hand off the controls to somebody else and and they can just keep going if they want. So it it would be like that once we, and that's kind of why I want to move it, you know, back an hour. Let me go back to doing an hour of the live show. Once we start that space, we can end it. Or if somebody on the space wants to keep it going, we just hand it off to them and let it go. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So let's let's try that. Uh, I'll I'll kind of make that decision right now. I'll I'll have a new hour for next Friday, so maybe a new concept, um, or or I might make it a free for all hour because we're starting to run out of free for all hours because we're we're getting so specific on everything. So I'll think about that. But next Friday, I'm going to say the schedule is going to be eight o'clock live. Um, you guys will come in at nine and we'll get Jamie and, um, you guys are always in contact with all the other fuel mileage superstars. So let those guys know. Sure. And I'll, uh, I'll put together a, a 
an event and we'll schedule it. I'll schedule it today so people on Twitter can start seeing it and setting reminders. I think this could be a big thing. I think we could have a lot of fun with this. Sounds like it. And I, I really believe that Twitter is going to, in essence, kind of start to replace the TV. I, you know, Tucker, we, we haven't heard yet exactly what's going to happen with that. But right now there is, I don't believe that there's any way I know of to live stream video on Twitter right now. You can live stream audio because of spaces, but there's no video option. Well, I, I, I just saw a thing pop up on Twitter that said you're going to be able to do like eight hours of video. And I don't think it's a live stream, but you're going to be able to post eight hours of video at a time. Oh, wow. Um, right so now, I, yeah. right now we've been limited to one or two if you have the blue right. check. So I can do two hours of video, but that means I can't post my full shows up to Twitter like we want. It's because we when right. we when we post right. a show to Twitter, Twitter won't accept audio. It's weird because Twitter Spaces is audio, but you can't post an uh -huh. audio file to a Twitter feed. You can't tweet an audio file, but you can tweet a video file. Uh -huh. So I have a piece of software <laughs> that takes my audio file, converts it to a video file, and then I can do things like ads can run on the video timeline while you're just listening. So that's kind of cool. We're going to be doing some of that. But this is changing fast, and now they're they're adding video time. I think that in the background right now, they are building the infrastructure for Tucker to do his, the first live stream news show on Twitter. Ah, I think that's well, what's going cool. on. Yeah, and if that's the case, we're going to be right behind them with some pretty cool video ideas. I have nice. Yeah. So nice, nice, nice. I, I'm looking hey, Kevin, forward to it. I have been driving around. I've been driving around a little industrial park here in Bend that they decided they needed to landscape. I don't think I can get out of this place. <laughs> 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 They've got, so, they got so many cars full in here. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Uh oh. Jeez, oh do you, Pete. Hey, why don't, why don't you go jump, so you can I can't focus jump the curves. That. They're too tall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me do that one. Yeah. When I get out of here, I'll <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Yeah. You, you don't need to be multitasking on that one. Uh, I can I I can imagine exactly what you're dealing with in Bend. It is a beautiful city, but uh, they can get a over, little overboard with their fancy sidewalks and landscaping. And all right, let's. Uh, you don't want to modify it. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to South Carolina. Howdy. Howdy. To, howdy to all you fuckers out there. There you go. I got I got a list now. So Elon Musk. He probably just thought 10% of the people probably do 90% of the work. So that's and, how he eliminated and it the, worked. the dead wood. He was exactly right. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, the, the, the platform yeah. gets better and better every week. And I can't imagine what does an office building look like that, you, that has only 10% of all the people that it was designed to be working there. It must be like a ghost town. Very I don't know, Kevin. With today, with the work from home thing, probably a lot of them look that way anymore. Yeah, and Elon was one of the yeah. few, you know, big tech guys that immediately came out after COVID and started saying, "Oh hell no, you're not working from home. You're coming back to the office." Well, 
Well, what I'm seeing with different people I deal with, with that work from home, is the big thing that's missing, and it can't be artificially done, is just that cross-pollination and water cooler talk, you know, and and overhearing people over cubicles or whatever, that there's stuff that's just getting missed. You know, in, in some ways, that's kind of what I see Twitter spaces helping us with. Just just more talking, more more minds at the same time thinking about a specific problem. So that you're talking about that electric car? Yeah. The uh, That latest Dodge Challenger, I think they call it the Demon. It's actually faster than that electric car. Zero to 60 in 1.66 seconds. Well, it, they must it's not, not have... It's not as fast down the quarter, but it, they, yeah. Oh, so so there's so many different records. Maybe that car does have some official records, but but this one clearly spent a day breaking 23 yeah. official records. Yeah. So and the, but the the Hellcats are well and, genuine and, muscle car with a fossil fuel engine. So pretty awesome for a pre- and it is a genuine production car. They're not just making. Well, we're gonna make six of them this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but you know, kind of to my point that here is this car that we've taken to an absolute extreme, and we're just down to tweaks left, and yet it in many ways yep. it's being outperformed by a technology that is just brand new. Yeah, a little bit of a price tag difference, though. A little bit. A little bit. I, I had to, you know, I, I had yep. to take a, a couple hours and go sit someplace quiet and contemplate whether I should put my order in or not. Yeah, it wouldn't have taken me long to decide. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, and it, you, you were talking about the platooning thing? Yeah. I, I, me personally, I think that's the dumbest shit out. Yeah, well, that's, Instead that, of platoon, that's at least have, two people that thought it was really dumb ah, shit. Yeah, well, if, uh, if, if, if you're doing... <laughs> If you're doing if you're doing platooning, you need you need two tractor units and two trailers or three tractor units and yep. three trailers or whatever they're gonna do. Yep. Well, the only thing it, it like takes away is the human. Like the road trains in Aussie. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, just do it like in Australia. It's like oh, we got one prime mover. That's what they call a tractor unit. And it's like oh, we've got a trailer behind it, and then we've got a dolly behind it, and then we've got another trailer, and maybe another one and another one. Yep. And only one driver, and he take the whole lot. Yeah, because it, so, we're we're going to create all kinds of issues with this platooning, getting through intersections and and all kinds of weird stuff yeah. that that would actually be better using well configured road trains. Yeah. So, um, but, but we so can't have road trains. I know of, of the ICT acting. <laughs> All right, Henry. Henry, you're you're so. <laughs> you're, you're going to be muted if you bring up the Ice T Act again. <laughs> so, so you're killing me. If uh, if this, if this AI it's becoming self aware, does that mean it won't be offensive to somebody? I I can't try to offend uh, anyone. My my natural intelligence doesn't seem to be smart enough to get my head around what artificial intelligence really is and what's going to happen. I I can't I just can't get my head around it. And it's one of those things right now. I'm in that phase where the more I study and the more I research, the more confused I become. I'm hoping that I I have a breakthrough at some point and I start to understand this. (laughs) Yep. So. You, you know, the other day I was broke down over here at Peterboot, and uh, so I spent 
couple of grand more than. And uh, supposedly they got it fixed. Called me, yeah, uh, your truck will be ready today. Okay, so what did it need? Oh, it needed a knock sensor. Oh, okay. I said, so what about all the other coats? No, it all cleared out. It's a knock sensor. We did a regen and everything's good. Okay. So I come over and I hooked the trailer up and everything's good. No check engine lights. Everything was working like it should. Off I go, 30-something miles to delivery number one. Unload there. Then up the road, another 30 miles or so. And next thing, it starts exactly the same problems again. And four Mm. check engine, four codes came up. And it's like, God damn. So I called them and I said, well, we didn't fix it. And I said, so I'll be coming back. But by the time I got back here, they were going to be closed. And I said, you'll have to look at it in the morning. Yeah, we'll do that. Okay. So the this is where I really appreciate Pittsburgh Power because they actually follow the troubleshooting tree. Well, I think the guy that worked on it the first time, he jumped to the last step and it's like, oh, it needs a knock center. But he missed all the other stuff. So the the older technician with 40 years' experience that diagnosed it yesterday, I pulled in to the bay because it was raining cats and dogs and uh, hopped out and, hey, what's going on? And um, I told him everything we'd done and everything that was happening. And he says, well, let's plug the computer into it and see. And he said, while well, you're standing right here. So I, I drove 169 miles from when I left here to when I got back. And he brings it up and he's like, well, this should be quite easy to find. He said it faulted 109 times in three and a bit hours yesterday. He said, I should be able to find this. Well, what it was, and so I went up to the driver's lounge and I didn't even get a complete episode of Baywatch in. And he comes up and he said, I found your problem. What is it? And he says, your engine harness, your wiring harness. He said, the plastic conduit that's wore off, you know, gets hot and crackly and falls off well the engine harness rubbed on the block and it rubbed through quite a few wires so every time you hit a bump the wiring harness was shortened out on the block and just killing everything yeah so today they're putting a new wiring harness in it interesting yeah so but then the mechanic the technician that came out today because he saw the truck yesterday so he came out this morning and he says who made that thing for your EGR, the Dorothy? And I got my Pittsburgh Power hat on, and I said, Pittsburgh Power? He said, man, that thing is slick. He said, I can see exactly how that works. He said, that's got to be really good. Well, then I told him about the max mileage, and you don't really need the Dorothy anymore, but it's there, so I'm leaving it on there. But he was very impressed, and he totally understood how it worked. So there's hope for some technicians, because this guy was only young. So There you go. Yeah. So, but... It's going to be an expensive week for me on the repair bill and a very low week on the revenue. So as I'm still going down to Florida, as long as they get me out of here today to put new springs under the front axle, so I'm going to be severely upside down this week. But the joys of trucking, I suppose. So, yeah. Got it. All right. Okay, I'll carry on. Thank you much. Sounds good. Thanks for the call. Uh, looks like we've got um, Joel back. Did you tear down any trees? I, I did not, but I, I moved the stone a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tight one. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, take a look at the, uh, I sent you a picture and look at the clearance between the radius of my trailer and my air conditioning unit. I got kind of on a 
small hill crank to the side oh, coming around a corner yeah. and <laughs> oh uh, yeah one of those deals that was close that was close <laughs> <laughs> i made it though <laughs> nice job that you're a professional uh, uh, we would they expect nothing rocks less. around here i'm telling you <laughs> I, I, look this, i, I maybe a trick to get out of this one yeah i mm-hmm. uh, i think i told the story when we were excavating to to add on and put in a driveway we came across a rock that was bigger than my smart car we have a lot of rocks around here you got to do something with them yeah they they like them for their landscape barriers and yeah you're not i do gonna, too you're not going to jump over them uh, nope <laughs> but uh, i i i know it and and bend Bend is a beautiful city. If you get a chance to go yep. walk around downtown or something, a yep. beautiful, beautiful place. But they are big on their landscaping yep. and rocks and beautiful sidewalks. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're out now, so I'm yeah. free. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, hey, hey! While you're you're heading over to Salem, you're not going to be far from Junction City. Can you go down and check on my coach for me? Uh, if you want me to, I'll go down and give him help. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll tell him we need to. I'll tell him we need to downspeed your coach, and we'll see what reaction they give me. There you go. That, I did finally. Uh, I think I talked about this on the air. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was talking to Leroy on the air. I, I did tell him we're going to have to turn it down. I, I can't drive this thing the way it is. And and the reason is I, I don't mind driving it, you know, by the throttle and all that. It, it, I don't get out and do enough miles that I, I really kind of enjoy that. You know, it, it's like driving again. I really got to drive the vehicle, not just hit the cruise and go down the road. Sure. You can't hit the cruise and go down the road in this thing. I would be terrified right. that I was going right. to blow ahead. Um, I, I'm approaching right. 60 pounds of boost in seconds on this thing. The, and here's the problem. Mm-hmm. The only way to drive this thing, because you can't hear the engine, is to stare at the boost gauge uh, all day long. It, it's fun for the first couple days, and uh, then it, it gets it, the old shit. Yeah, if I could yeah. hear it, if I could feel it, if I could hear it, I, I would actually probably enjoy driving it like this. But it's so frustrating. You can't hear it. You feel acceleration, but it, it's not, you know, enough to really know what's going on. You've got to stare at that boost gauge. And I'm like, this is stupid. I don't want to drive eight hours a day staring at my dash. So as fun as it's been, it's time to... Mm-hmm. to, to tame that thing a little bit <laughs> there you go there you go that makes sense yeah so um as soon as it comes out of the shop with all the other stuff that's going on we're gonna have to do that uh it seems like there was something else i wanted to talk about while all that was happening oh one more thing i just want to throw this out there. this is kind of exciting um and i missed this somebody actually posted this on our site and that's how i found it Here's the headline. Tesla sells back Maxwell Technologies ultra capacitor business to former executives. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Maxwell is a huge worldwide company and their hands are in all kinds of different electric technologies. Uh, Ultra capacitors just being one of them. And the Maxwell start module is an ultra capacitor. That's all it is. 
And they're, it's, a, it's a fairly simple thing. I mean, you can build an ultra capacitor in your garage that you can buy the components off the shelf, build one of these things yourself. But, you know, getting it to work in the real world and real world conditions and a bunch of other things. But it's interesting. We're going to reach out to them. Um, we had kind of been putting off the whole skull start thing um, because it was a big project. It's a new vendor. We're starting all over the project that the, the product I think is a little too good. They build a really good ultra capacitor, but it's $2,000. That's a little too you know pricey. What? Kevin, it's German. What do you expect? I know I, I get it. it. Right. It is over-engineered. It's right. Exactly. There you go. But, but sometimes over-engineered go. is not good. It, it's not well engineered for this application it's over engineered for this application and then it just makes it too expensive it's expensive correct so i've kind of been holding off on do i really want to go start this relationship or not so i'm glad i held off and now we're going to reach back out to maxwell i don't need to learn anything new you know we already understand it we've sold it before so i'm excited about this gotcha um, nice. Yeah. So, uh, pretty interesting there. They did, uh, Tesla did use the Maxwell ultra capacitor technology in their 4680 battery cell though. So, uh, I imagine they've worked out some kind of licensing deal, but the executives are taking it back. So, uh, we're going to reach out to them. I kind of like that. Let's, um, let's grab another call. Let's go to, Massachusetts, AJ, and I, I noticed Jamie was on the board, but he's gone again. So I think he's busy today working. We'll, we'll see if he jumps back in. AJ, welcome. Greetings, Henry, Joel, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, it's a shame we don't have Jamie on here. He's got, he's good to listen to as well. Yeah, he was there and now he's gone. So he told me he was going to be driving today. So I'm pretty sure he's busy. Yeah, I'm familiar with Jamie from uh, the Twitter spaces I've been on, and I got to say, I'm pretty uh, pretty excited about it. That, um, you know, other than a few little technical it's bring a issues, audience. yeah, I keep forgetting to hit record. I've come up with a solution for that. They they put the button in a really weird place. It's not very obvious, and I'm my mind's on ten other things, and I keep forgetting. So I had to write a little automation that'll help me with that. Um, and then we had that weird issue of the space kept dropping out, but I think we may have that figured out. Um, all I have to do is make sure I have two other co-hosts assigned. And if the technology issues on my end, then the space can keep going without me and then I can just rejoin back in. So uh, we're figuring out things pretty quickly and I'm, uh, I'm encouraged. I think it'll bring a new audience and I think it'll bring a new format where we'll get more brainstorming going on, not just people asking me questions and having the experts only on. I don't even like that word, but uh, this will get more average people in that have really good ideas. I agree. I agree. Like, uh, for instance, yesterday, the guy, Hope, he was on there. And he he seemed like he was very tech savvy and and he sounded younger. He, he um, did. I and, wanted and to ask him his age, but I don't want to be. You know. I, I, I was kind of wondering how somebody called Polk the artist who does music and paintings and was really into like blockchain technology ended up on my trucking podcast or space. It was, but yeah. he, he, well, was, he was an, an own, interesting he's guy. A yeah. Owner operator. Yeah. His own runs off the load board, it sounds like. And, uh, but he's very tech savvy. I mean, I asked my kids. 
hey, what, what does this mean? And HAs go through, I mean, all these different <laughs> right. and stuff, and they're 14 <laughs> and 13. Right. And uh, where do you come up? Where do you have all the time to learn these things? And they just, they do it faster. Hey, AJ, so, uh, how old are you? And the things that he was talking about, I'm 45. Uh, you're, you're 15 years or so behind me, but I, I think your, your childhood was probably more like mine than it is your kids. Think about all, the, I, I know for me, I spent a lot of time outside, a lot. And had I spent that time staring at a screen, I, I would have probably come up with, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I would have been really good at technology. And But I, I spent a lot of time outside. You don't see kids do that much anymore. No, I'm going to I'm gonna try. I'm trying to get mine outside. Uh, like I was RC cars, bicycles. I could tear exactly. up Exactly. Yep. Paint them, build them back up. Yep. And I could do that a lot faster than they can. But they can, I'll tell you what, they get the ends in the app. In the ins and outs of the Oh, app. yeah. They can do everything. Yep. So, uh, yeah, one the, I remember my friend got Atari when we were kids, and he wanted to sit inside and play Pong, and I'm like, no, we got dirt bikes. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. You know, and I was part of that Pong generation. I was about 13 or 14, I think, when Pong first came out. And oh, yeah. wintertime, you know, and even wintertime, I would snowmobile and we would go sledding and skiing and all kinds of stuff. But wintertime, I, I would do more Ice stuff skating. like that. Yeah. You know, it's no different yeah, now. I, 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 have, I, I, I've talked about how I, I took up, you know, video game playing after 40 years of not playing a video game. And like I said, I was part of that first video game generation. Um, I was an absolute... Uh, Asteroids Master. Remember Asteroids, the arcade game? Oh, yeah. Oh, so here's yeah. here's how this happened. I, I, I just feel like telling goofy stories today. So I, I grew up in a small town, um, did everything I could to avoid going to class all through high school, but I, but I didn't want to drop out because I really like sports. So I, I maintained, you know, barely a good enough grade average so they didn't kick me out. But I would set up my schedule every day, so I had as much time off as possible. And if you didn't have a class, we were allowed to leave. You know, we could leave for open lunch and go to McDonald's or whatever. And if you didn't have a class, you could go somewhere and come back. So I had my whole afternoon set up with study halls and classes I didn't have to go to so I could leave at lunch and then come back for sports. Well, you know, what are you going to do with that couple hours? Nobody else is around. They're all in school. My sister managed a, a little department store in our town. It was called Big Wheel. I, they went out of business a long time ago. But they had an asteroids machine in the, the, the entryway. And when they would come to clean out that machine every week and get the money out of it, there would be a bunch of slugs in there. And they would, the guy that cleaned out the machines would give the slugs to my sister and she would give them to me so I could go up there and just play this game over and over and over for hours. Then I got to the point where I only needed one slug because once I put one slug in, oh, yeah. I could play the game the rest of the day. Then being the entrepreneur that I was, at some point I had to go to wrestling practice and I had 37 spaceships lined up up there that I had earned and you only start with three. So after a while, people would start coming up and watching me play. And when I had to leave, I would sell my game for five or 10 bucks sometimes. Sell your spaceship. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Yep. There you go. <laughs> 
So, and then so I, you majored that, in oh study my. hall, too. Hey, oh, yeah. That, that was my major course, too. And, I, I had a major in study hall. And food classes. I had Home Ec 1, Home Ec 2, Foods oh. 1, Foods 2, Advanced Foods. I had all of those classes. And you could skip them really oh. easy. You know, if I wanted to go, I'd go. If I didn't go, nobody said anything. Um, so, but then I, I... Baking class was awesome. Oh, I, I loved all that stuff. Because not only was it an easy class, you got to eat. And the girls were there. Exactly. I know. I, you know, uh, once, once at the beginning, you know, all my friends gave me the you're going to lose your man card thing. And then after they figured the gig out, they're like, damn, why didn't we do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I still yeah. took shop. Was shop was cool. Yeah, I had metal shop and wood shop. I had those two. And those are the kind of classes I just maximized. I, I took as many of those as I could. Yep. That's funny. All right, I AJ. What I, it, I was on to something when I did that. <laughs> AJ, what else you got? So, uh, yeah, keeping with the Twitter thing. So at home, uh, well, at home in Eastern Massachusetts, when I was local, uh, we got a bunch of guys. We started talking on the CB, then the Apple iPhone came out. And, and with this latest technology, we got a, a phone group that we do. It's every single day. I'm not on it every day. I once a week because I'm on the road. They're back home local. I'll, I'll chime in, but there'd be six of us because that's the most you could put on there. We've been doing this for two years now, maybe three. Okay. We just call in and, and there's uh, probably 12 of us that yeah. kind of rotate through throughout the day. But there's one guy that everybody calls and that's the anchor call. And we want to get on the party line. We call him up. There you so go. This is very similar so to that. Here, here's the and, advantage. Uh, I was telling him this morning, I said, we should monetize. I was like, we should monetize this. Move over to Twitter. We can have 10 of us talking. And we can have a 300 people, yeah. 3,000, whatever, you know what I mean, that wants to and, listen. Like, uh, you know, Post the Artist was talking about yesterday. There's some people monetizing these uh, spaces. So, so here's the thing. The, the, what Spaces does has been around for about two decades. I mean, it's nothing new. It's a big conference call is all it is. So why am I so excited about it when we could have been doing this before? Because it didn't work before. It didn't work very well. You had to have some special software. You had to have, you know, and, oh, wait a minute, but I use this conference software and you use that. Why don't, and then the technology didn't work right. And so everybody's on Twitter. You already have the Twitter app. It it's works really well. The technology is seamless and Twitter is already allowing people to monetize this, which is another good thing. At some point, I'm probably going to monetize our space the way we're going to monetize our show and other things. We have to. Uh, we're building out the infrastructure. We're building the content. At some point, we're going to flip that switch and start monetizing this. So I, I think... Twitter has just taken a technology that's been around for a long time and made it really useful in, in, in everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. Some people might be thinking, Oh, a couple of, you know, truck drivers around local, how, how entertaining can that be? Let me tell you something right now. We crack ourselves up pretty good. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of ag, um, aggregate haulers, dump trailers and stuff like that. So it can, a little less than PG, if you know what I mean. But well, you know, we we've always tried to treat this show on Fridays a little different. You know, it's Friday. We're going to cut loose. We goof around. We talk and we talk about serious stuff. We help people with you know some really great specking options and new technologies. But we cut up and we have fun. And Spaces feels like it's even more designed to kind of make this not just informational, but 
you know, it, it's just can be fun and entertaining as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to learning some more about Twitter through this Polk guy. If he's on there, he said something about, he, he barely even looks at his feed. He, he's just in, in different with different groups, kind of like that group that, you know, I talk to, right. That I call into, you'd be just jump into a space and he just goes into a different chat space or something. Yeah, and, and what I'm seeing, as soon as I got over to Twitter, I, I was shocked at there is almost no real organization in Twitter around trucking. It, it's very splintered. There's there's the very, Jamie's got a big following for Twitter and trucking, and it's 20,000. Um, but he's done a really good job of putting together a following, but it's taken him a little over a decade to do it, I think, too. And now I'm seeing the tools and, and the way Twitter's changing. It's getting easier to organize. So I, I think now is the time and I'm going to try to kind of be the one to, to get it going. I don't want to be the leader of this. This is a case where we don't really need a leader. We could have multiple people who are kind of like organizers and that kind of stuff. But I I think we need one person at least, and I'll be that, to, to kind of get the all the trucking assets on Twitter together. And I don't mean just drivers or owner operators. I want I want lots of people involved in this. You know, one of the guys I um, converse with quite a bit on Twitter runs a fuel distribution company. Uh, there's a lot we can learn from people like that. TJ has been excellent. And Jamie telling his story of how he, you know, is building his fleet and then he's on the fuel mileage thing. So it's just, I think it could be a really powerful way if we can get a, a good trucking presence. So I'll commit to building the presence. I don't want to lead it. I don't think it needs a leader. Yeah, I could visualize, you know, a week ago when you were telling, when you were explaining how you wanted it, I'm like, it's just like, just like the group that I'm in. Yeah. Okay, we run it for, I've been on that thing for six, seven hours before I call them up. If I start at <laughs> two or three in the morning, that's when they're usually running. And I'll yeah. be on there. My wife wakes up, takes the kids to the school, drops them off at eight, calls me. I just hit, I just answer her call, talk to her for 45 minutes and her call and it jumps right back in with the group. I mean, I know exactly what you mean. It's working just like the way we got this thing going. Yeah. And, uh, yep. and, and I, I could, I could, I could visualize it. I know exactly what you're talking about. And like I said yesterday, I'm, I'm new in the ownership business of trucking and, you know, with Landstar right now. And I'm looking forward to hopefully bringing some, you know, as I learn stuff along the way, asking and hey, sharing. And, hey, and look, I, you I, know, it's a great, it's a great cohesion. Again, as we kind of build this trucking space and, and environment and infrastructure there on Twitter, as soon as you said Landstar, somebody should be doing a Landstar space on a regular basis. Yep, I've seen what that does on Facebook, and uh, it's not it, it's not the prettiest. You like, know, the, groups for Landstar, but it, yeah, we just the gotta, the interesting thing. thing that I'm finding is is I I was frustrated with Facebook. We we just got away from it. It was a cesspool over there. I, I so far, and I hope it doesn't change. So far, I'm not running into that much on Twitter. It's funny because I yeah I think maybe when I did jump into trucking I was pretty critical of a lot of stuff that was being posted. One of the guys with the fairly big trucking following and he was posting a lot. He posted one day about oh yeah I had an early morning delivery and I had to go down this residential street and I just blasted him with my Jake brakes and I went in and blasted him. What a douchebag! Yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> 
<laughs> what an asshole. And I basically said that. And, and then they were all about, oh, we need broker transparency. And I started pushing back on them. All of a sudden, I, I don't see any of those guys anymore. I think they all blocked me which is just fine because I don't see any of their posts anymore and they don't seem to be <laughs> replying on, on any of my posts. So it, it's a good thing. Twitter has a nice feature that I'm not sure people understand how powerful it is. I, I try not to block people, even though I should block them so I can get on with my mission and do what I want to do. But when you block somebody, then they start spreading it all over the place. Oh, look, he's just afraid to talk to me. I was debating him and, and I was so right. He just blocked me. That's a pain. In, that's a pain in the ass, too. Twitter's got a better feature. You can mute people. They never know that you mute them. You just don't see any of their comments anymore. They can comment on my stuff all day long and I don't see it. And if I don't see it, I don't care about it. And they don't know that I'm not seeing it. They don't get any kind of a notice the way they do if I block them. So it's a really it's a seems like a simple thing, but it's a very powerful tool if you use it right. Nice. Yeah, I don't think they'll be saying much when there's instant feedback. Exactly. They can just say something, ignore the comments. Right now, you're gonna get in the spaces. You'll get instant feedback. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear. I, I love it if they want to show up on a space and debate me. I hate debating people on social media when I have to type everything and and they're out oh copying gosh, yeah. and pasting crap like it's some sort of proof. Uh, you can't do that when you're talking to me. So if they want to show up in a space and debate, bring it on. Absolutely. All right, AJ, anything else? So the other thing, oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. well, I just wanted to put in that, yeah, a nine, <laughs> we could do a nine hour space with uh, David from uh, Nastic. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm, I'm glad sure uh, I'm glad you brought that up because this whole show, I've been meaning to ask uh, Henry and Joel if you guys heard that show. When uh, Thursday, yesterday. I have not, so. no. Okay. Um, are you a Nastic member? I did not. I'll go back and listen to it. Yes, I am. I thought so. And I, I actually, so you know, it's kind of funny, Joel. I, I, we were, I had David Owen on with me yesterday. Um, David reached out to, I've known David for a long time, but we've never managed to do anything together. And one of the reasons I never mm-hmm. brought him on my show, even as a guest, was early on, he was pretty well tied in with Dave Nemo. And I don't like the idea of poaching mm-hmm. guests from other shows. I mean, shows have done sure. it to me, and I don't say anything about it. But I, I just don't feel right. He's a regular on another show on the channel. And even when I left, I was I made a commitment. I wasn't going to go try poaching guests that used to be on Sirius XM, unless they were mine, and then they all sure. came with me anyway. So Dave and I kind of knew, we we knew each other. We ran into each other, talked to each other a couple of times, but never did anything. And he reached out to me um, and he told the story yesterday on the air. So I'll tell it now. Um, He has left the Dave Nemo show and he didn't, we both talked about it. We, we both love Dave and I owe Dave a lot. And, um, but he, he says it's not the same. And he, he actually made the claim um, that I have sent them far more, referrals than any other show ever has for him, even though he's never paid me a penny. Um, it's just, a, it's a, it's a good organization. Why wouldn't I recommend it? I recommend him all the time. And I have been, sure. and, and he said, he came on yesterday, said, I've never paid Kevin a penny. I owe him a bunch. And we had an awesome show. Him and I just, we have so many ideas uh, that we've had for years and, and we can make a bunch of them actually reality now. So 
Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of work together. So, and we talked about you. I mentioned you and Henry and with the, some of the things we're doing there. And David actually said, and David is this tied into his organization that I believe him. When I said your name, he said, I'm pretty sure Joel's a member. And I said, yeah, I, I, I would think yeah. that he would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So nice. So two questions. That's pretty, that's two pretty questions damn cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. So two questions I had, Kevin. Um, one was on the topic of Nastic. As a, you know, like I said, I'm new in ownership. Last two years I've been with Landstar. I don't t- intend to stay with them forever. Right. Uh, I want to get my own authority. That's why and, Nastic and that is such a like smart that. move so, for you. Absolutely. Should I do it? I don't think I yes. should do it now. No, you should. But I want to become a member. But if I become a member, oh, yeah. I should be. I have to do it. I have to do their Nest program. Uh, well, here's right away. Yeah, here's the way it works. Whether you have your own authority or not doesn't really matter. What matters how many trucks you have. If you've got five or more, they'll allow you to be a member without going through the training. And a lot of people bitch about this, but I, I'm glad he's done it this way, and I hope he keeps it this way. If you have less than five, you've got to go through that new entrant training, and he does it once a month, and it is worth it. It's a great program. So, yeah, it, no, you shouldn't get your authority right now. You should wait a while, but you should become a member and start right. getting prepared to get your own authority. Okay. All right. Uh, that's, that was one of my questions, whether I should do that now. The other question I had was, jumping back to the Twitter thing, what do you do with your phone? Fo- you use your phone, correct? For spaces? Yes. Yeah, for, for Twitter, every day I don't. I much prefer to work on my laptop when I'm posting and replying oh, and answering questions. Unfortunately, they have designed spaces to run on the iPhone. I can't start a space from my laptop. You can't do it. Right. So what do you do with your phone calls? Do you go on Do Not Disturb? Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. That's what I'm going to do because um, I didn't get a phone call during it. Well, we had a, I know we had a speaker yesterday get a phone call in the middle of him speaking. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I, you gotta I remember to do that. Yeah. I just turn um, Do Not Disturb on and then I set a reminder for myself for, you know, an hour, two and three hours. So it, it'll keep popping up and reminding me that I have it turned on. Very good. Well, that's all I got today. All right. Thanks for the call. All right. I think we're going to wrap this up, guys. Uh, If you've got something. uh, Oh, wait, looks like another call just started to come in. So we'll wait for it. It is Friday at some point. We're going to get out of here, but uh, we're having fun. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to next week's Twitter space for us to do this show. Um, One thing in the beginning, and I know I'm going to get some complaints about it, but just don't don't complain because I'm not going to listen anyway. Um, it will mean that in order for people to listen to us live, they're going to have to do it on Twitter. I have not been able to solve the technology issue of trying to live stream both my show and Twitter at the same time. I just can't get it to work yet. Um, so, but we'll post it right after. So you, you have two options. It takes about 30 seconds to go sign up for Twitter and then you'll have the app and you could listen to us live. But if you don't, if you don't want to, we will post all of these Twitter spaces so you will be able to listen to them, just not live. So uh, let's go to Colorado. Travis, welcome to the program. Morning. I have a question for you on Profit Gages. I, I use your program. Thank and, you. And um, 
I have quite a, a big expense that uh, I'm trying to figure out how to how to input it in. So is that maintenance? Last year, my offer. Uh, it is. It okay. was uh, an engine replacement. Okay. But how how it happened is, um, so I, I blew up the engine, put a hole in the block, so it wasn't valid as a core. My dad and my uncle were able to buy my truck outright and basically be my new bank. So they have the title. They funded a new engine. So my new truck payment and my engine is all wrapped into one payment. So I'm wondering how I should input that into the system when it comes to my operating expenses. Should this repair be an operating expense or should I just leave it tied into my truck payment? I would leave it tied into your truck payment and use that truck payment entry to do it every month. That will give okay. you that will give you a more real world view of what's going on with your cash flow because you didn't spend gotcha. that money all at once. So we're going to show the money going out as it goes out because that's a more accurate depiction of what's happening. Okay, and I figured it would just be simpler too to keep my regular maintenance. Yeah you know, regular repairs, like tires, brakes, that kind of stuff, trying to keep that simple, so. Yep, exactly. Alrighty, well, that answers my question. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. And it looks like Thank another you. call snuck in here, so we'll grab that one. We've got a Wisconsin Mick. Welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Uh, thought I'd try to sneak in there before you ended there. I just had a a, a couple of comments. I'm, I uh, or a question maybe too. I I'm I'm uh, trying to get my head wrapped around this whole the newer transmissions versus the older ones with the overdrive thing. As far as the parasitic drag, is it all about the oil churn and the uh, extra counter shaft? Is that where that um, efficiency is coming or losing that or? That's a, that, that's a big part of it. Um, so obviously like in a, and it was taking 18 speed, you've got the dual counter shafts in the main section, and then you have two yep. counter shafts in the auxiliary section and it holds a, a lot of oil. And so you do get a lot of oil churn and you've got a lot of rotating mass there. When uh -huh. you go to like a Volvo I shift, it is a single counter shaft transmission. Same thing with the, with the Detroit DT 12. Yep. And you have a planetary gear set in the back. So you completely eliminate oh. all that bullshit hanging in the auxiliary section. It's all gone. You're 99% okay, efficient. Okay. Okay. Right, right. It, with a planetary versus all the nonsense that's happening in the back of a, of a typical manual. So it's, it's oil churn and a lot to do with that auxiliary section. Also, you got to think about the, the the transmissions, the older manuals had straight cut gears in the front box, which a straight cut gear is technically more efficient when you compare a gear that is of the same size. But to be a straight cut gear has to be bigger to carry the same amount of horsepower. That's why when you look in a DT12 and an I shaft, you'll see they're on a helix and they are smaller. So the transmission's lighter, requires less lube. There's a whole lot of advantages. And because you can shrink that gear up, there's virtually no efficiency loss because you're comparing a smaller gear on a helix to a bigger gear that's straight cut. So uh, that is, is essentially that, is why the, we're uh, looking at it. Okay. Is that the, the bigger gears versus the, is that like a, 
inertia thing, like a momentum, like like a flywheel well, effect sure. or what? You, you, okay. Well, you've got all that rotating mass um, that you've got yep. to accelerate and decelerate. And it's, it's a lot to do. In, in fact, I had a, a huge blow up argument with a guy several months ago about, about this. And, um, he's like, Oh, there's no way that, you know, the gears don't mesh and yada, yada. The, the part that was left out of this is it's the oil churn. Essentially that really is the problematic part for the older manual exactly transmission. Right. There's just a lot of oil and you are churning a hell of a bunch of oil. Um, okay. The other part in regards to efficiency that a lot of people miss, when you look at the steps between the gears, the older transmissions, especially in an 18-speed, you know, they're very close steps, and you had to have them because engines just didn't have the torque rise capacity, and with the rear axle ratios that you were dealing with, that was kind of a requirement. So with the new okay. aggressive downsped axle ratios, you can have a wider um, right. step, the percentage, but the RPM drop is very similar because it's a percentage of the rear axle ratio. So I know it freaks a lot of people out. They look at it and they go, oh, look at the steps in that transmission. Yeah, but think about the rear axle ratio you're going to run, and then those steps aren't such a – in fact, sure. it's more efficient because you can get rid of that second overdrive gear that takes a lot of mechanical bullshit out of the transmission, and uh, it, it's just – uh, they're just a better setup. Now, the one thing I will tell you, dual counter shaft is a very durable design. Single counter shaft transmissions are subject to thrust loading. So it is important that you keep your drive axle suspension leveled, and that needs to be a regular part of your maintenance program. So you're not oh. you know, subjecting that single counter shaft transmission to thrust loads because they are susceptible. All single cow counter shaft transmissions are somewhat susceptible to thrust load where you never had to deal with that in a dual counter shaft transmission. Hey, so Joel, they do have well, an advantage in that regard. I want to mm -hmm. jump in here real quick You're because pushing I, that. I've, I've oh. been a huge, right. I've been a huge critic of how we've screwed up new technologies in this industry over and over and over. We can go back 30 years, anti-lock brakes. There's so many examples first attempt at wide singles and the Volvo engine. It, we screwed most of these things up because of a lack of education down at the, the where the rubber meets the That's road right. level. We didn't know how to do these things correctly. And I, I think one of the things we're starting to provide is, is that education. So these technologies don't get screwed up again. Sure. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, with the 216 gear and that downspeeding, you got to be putting just an incredible amount of torque against that counter shaft, don't you? Uh, you, um, you when you, you really, are, but it, 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 it's. A I mean, obviously, it's designed shaft. to take it, but but I yes, can see where yes. I can see where. I mean, are, I'm not. Yeah. This is why it's not a real good idea to to take an older transmission that was not designed for these types of stresses and throw that very aggressive rear axle ratio under it. Mm -hmm, and then sure. you are 100% reliant upon driver skill to make sure that you don't screw that transmission up. And that's just not a position that I would ever want to be in. I, I mean, okay. I can run an 18 speed as good as anybody out there, you know, can float everything. I, I, I like to think I know what the hell I'm doing when I'm, when I'm driving a truck, but I still wouldn't want to be in that position where it is totally dependent upon driver skill to protect the mechanical integrity of the driveline. Sure. Sure. I would really like, I haven't done it. Um, 
I'm, I'm running an older truck and I, I think about this stuff a lot just because it's, it's interesting to me, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd really like to try like even just like the 264 and run and direct and just see how that drives compared to with the overdrive, you know, the double overdrive. So here's, here's something to really think about when it comes to this. So mm-hmm. when you're running in direct 264, that would be your final ratio. When you have an overdrive, like Henry's running an overdrive, he's 2.08 is his final through an overdrive. I'm at like 1.68 through my final. So we're really yeah, yeah. able to lay that, that piston speed down. When you are in a duty cycle that say your 30% of your duty cycle is under 60,000 pounds, that direct drive is going to start to work against you because you have elevated piston speed, which means more drag, more moments of inertia, and it just doesn't work out well. And when you think Mm. about the fact that general van freight, the average gross combination vehicle weight is 65,000 pounds, for most guys pulling a van trailer, my opinion, it's not a good idea to spec a truck to run indirect, not at 264. No. You got to get down to like 2.16, 2.05, 1.95, and then those old transmissions, right. they don't have the reduction to start the loads, and they'll, they'll come apart that way. So, you know, I, 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 me and Kevin might disagree here on this. Maybe not. I don't know. But um, I, I would probably spec a truck if I had an older transmission. I would still be thinking about overdrive dependent upon duty cycle. If I'm heavy all the time, okay, run it in direct. I get it. That elevated RPM, you need the power. Because when Bruce says that you have more horsepower and torque running in direct, you absolutely do. The question is, do you need it all the time? And most people don't. Sure. I, that's right. What about like a like a like an LTL situation where you're running around Chicago? Is that going to be more of a hassle than a you know the uh, traditional double overdrive with the 355 say or whatnot? No, um, no, it's not. It's not more of a hassle at all. It's it's every bit as drivable. I, I've done a ton of LTL. Joe, you have too. Mm-hmm. No, that would be a very very drivable truck. And honestly. I'll go back to Joel's and say I don't completely disagree with him on even overdrive with some of the old drive lines if we're doing it for the right reasons and the right duty cycle and all that stuff. Sometimes it just gets hard Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, people hear what they want to hear. So, but I, I wouldn't disagree with you, Joel, on that point. Here would be a case where I could care less about overdrive at all. If I'm specking an LTL truck, it to finish in, in direct would be well, just fine. And and to your guys' point, for years when we were running a whole lot of LTL in the fleet, I ran 250 direct drive yes. for years. It's great um, tra- Travis's, my stepson's last test truck was a 231 direct, and he runs a lot of LTL. I have them in a turbo compounded overdrive at the moment, but we may do another one where we may do a 195 direct, possibly with a VGT of all things. Interesting. So there's, there's some, yeah, there's some things there that are completely duty cycle dependent. I, I will tell you that an overdrive setup gives you the greatest flexibility in your speed range efficiency. Direct drive can be more efficient, but it's always in a very narrow range. And that's something you really have to understand whether you're specking a direct drive transmission or you're specking an older overdrive to run in direct, you are going to narrow your speed range efficiency 
although you may be slightly more efficient in that narrow range, if that makes sense. Okay. I, uh, Joel, yeah, I, the, the I, only like, place uh, that I come in on this, on your same thoughts, and I was just dealing with one today, where 62 is the end of the world. They're not going over 62. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and, and here, here's a case where direct drive works. There are fleets that will do that, and they'll look at safety, and they'll look at a bunch of things, and they'll come up with that right. 62 is the cutoff. And at that point, you know, we've worked on this super direct concept for a lot of years. I don't talk about it a lot because it applies mostly to fleets that are extremely right. safety conscious, that are only going to run 62 mile an hour, then a super direct setup, 2.16, 2.05, 1.95 is killer. It yep. works very, very well. I agree. But most owner operators, they want to be able to leverage the benefits of overdrive when the freight market allows it. When our freight rates are strong, speed makes sense. Speed is a tool. Yes. And you right. need to That's think right. as, yeah. of it as a tool. It is not a road sign. It is a tool that needs to be used properly. And it would be just like a mechanic saying, okay, I'm only going to use a 9 16th wrench ever. <laughs> How is that going to work out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, I, I could probably make it work if I can have some vice grips too. <laughs> there you go. But you, you see what I'm saying? You exactly. don't want to put yourself right. in that box. And that's direct drive will put you in a box. So you've got to be very, very careful. Right. I have used direct drive over the course of my career very, very effectively, but it takes some patience and you've got to be a damn good trip planner and you, you've, you've got to have some patience to, to get the full benefit out of direct drive. And, you know, when freight markets turn and, and fuel prices are down, the rates are high, you're going to be wishing you had overdrive. So hmm. you're not just, going just to get a, whip it up and take advantage of the higher speed limits. But just to give you an example, uh, in my operation, when I discovered direct drive and the efficiency and, you know, figured out 264s and all those things and started setting up trucks that way, it was a no-brainer for me, especially my truck when I was still driving, because I, I was on dedicated scheduled runs and my I was committed. I was not going to drive faster than 57. I just wasn't going to do it. There was no reason to. I I knew my schedule. I knew when to get there. And here's the thing. Once in a while, it might happen once or twice a year, you get stuck in an accident somewhere or, you know, we did what we called buttheads. We had to meet another driver at at a location and swap trailers and they might have gotten held up. If I had to drive that truck at 70 miles an hour so I could get back for the sort and make sure that the packages got there, I could. It was horribly inefficient, but big deal. I was only doing it a couple times a year. Correct. Right. Correct. Correct. One of the most efficient setups, in my personal opinion, for LTL is uh, the 11 liter. Oh, And then we put a 13 speed direct drive on it and we run a a 2.16 on it and i i that is just uh, such a uh, sweet setup for ltl freight i would love that setup. okay so maybe i'm maybe when i say ltl maybe i'm a i mean like for instance when i'm what i'm doing is i'm running around chicago loading loads but then i'm then i'm gonna take that regional you know maybe three three hundred sure. miles this- too so is that 
Well, I don't, maybe I, maybe that should be called regional rather than LCL, but it's well, kind it's, of that. It, you know, I we would, call it short regional. Correct. Yeah. Or, or regional LTL is a good description too. I would understand what you meant. You're, sure. you're, okay. you're doing maybe multiple pickups on one end, then driving out on the highway for a while, and then maybe doing multiple stops on the other end. A regional LTL, I've done that operation yeah. as well. I love that kind of stuff. I love both local LTL, regional uh, it's challenging. It's uh, you got to build relationships. You got to have time management. I, I love that kind of stuff. And sure. Joel, I would kill for the setup you just described in an operation like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Just knocks it out of the ballpark. I've got I've got uh, data on Travis's truck where we we ran that setup for. I think he was in that truck about four years in LTL and you know, averaging 9.7 miles a gallon over four years, uh, just totally killed it. I, yeah. I, I mean, just an awesome, awesome setup. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Joel, you know, and Henry and, and Kevin, I've listened to you for years, but just, I, uh, Joel, especially you, you've really been able to talk through some of this technical engineer stuff and make it understandable um, a little easier. I, you know, when engineers start talking, I just, my eyes kind of glaze over, but I, I've, I, I've really, I, you know, this, this, it's pretty cool. Some of the way this stuff is designed and, and, and once someone can under explain it to you, then it, you can get pretty excited about it. I agree. So I thank, agree. You know, I agree. So thank you for that. And then uh, I, I, pre I also, appreciate yeah. the words. Yeah. So no, I, I it, it is cool. And, uh, I, uh, Kevin, I enjoyed uh, your conversation with David yesterday too, and and uh, I ended up listening onto the spaces thing too, and the, the whole thing was for just a, a really fun day. I I didn't have many stops to make, so I got to just sit and listen pretty oh, much good. all day, and good. really enjoyed that. And uh, I've, you know, I I was this close, you know, just I had myself convinced I was going to go to the to your last CNC, and then it didn't happen, and then. Um, if you if you guys ended up combining that with the, I've never been to an ASTIC uh, conference before either, but that would be uh, really neat if you could do something like that. And, we're, and we're gonna, I've been a member of that for quite a while. Yeah, we're going to do but, something uh, together. I, I know David wants to. It's a, a really, really good fit. Uh, you know, I'm going to make a statement. Uh, it's a pretty big statement, in my opinion. I look back over the partnerships we've created over the years, and, and we go back a long way. My first kind of corporate partnership was Volvo. Uh, they were the sponsor, the big sponsor of my first big uh, seminar, Partners in Business. So that was a great partnership. I've had great partnerships with Michelin. I've gone to their test tracks and done all that fun stuff. Um, we've had we've just had a lot of really, really strong, power, powerful relationships like that and partnerships over the years. And it brings a lot of value to the tribe. I'm going to make the statement that thinking back over all of them, I can't think of anything that comes close to the potential of this partnership. I'm really excited about it. I am too. I am too. That's great. So, um, one other, just, if you got a minute, I, Joel, I, I know it's really probably not really worth your time, but, uh, the Caterpillar just introduced this C13D as a brand new engine. I realize it's not applicable highway unless 
maybe it would meet emissions in a glider type situation for Can't. people who like to build stuff. But I'm, nope. I'm just curious if this engine is com- comparable to like the Volvo and the, the, the Detroit, yeah. you know, just just, kind sure, of curious. I, just one thing from, real quick. From what there, I've, there, there are no gliders mm-hmm. anymore. Well, not new gotcha. ones, but there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> well, yeah, but you, 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 you can't put a dip, believe it or not, if you follow the letter of the law, you can't put another non-emission engine into a glider. Well, now, Kevin, when have we ever worried about no, the I, No, I law? know, but I just have to make sure people understand that. That, that, that glider was... No, I gotcha. That glider was allowed to be so, built with that engine, and we have to tell the glider manufacturer up front which engine we're putting into it when they manufacture it. And the, the here's the thing, that they're not going to manufacture gliders anymore. So even if there were a workaround with this engine, you can't buy a glider. So... And technically, you can't really repower an old glider. So, uh, unfortunately, that that option for us has kind of gone away. And I think it's sad. I, I, I'm all for emissions. I want these new engines. I want tr- clean trucks. But allowing, you know, at least small manufacturer of gliders. And, and if they would have done that, I think the manufacturers would have continued to provide them. But we've just lost that tool completely. Right, yeah. Anyway, I gotcha. just, yeah, I'm just curious. But, but looking at that engine, um, I, I have looked at looked at it a little bit. I'm waiting to get some information on the crankshaft. I, that's the first thing that I look at in an engine is, is the foundation. So I'm looking at the rotating assembly. I want to see what they've done with the crankshaft, with the journal overlap, and with the, with the bearing area that they've got going on there. And historically, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying this, Caterpillar sucked. Their crankshafts weren't worth a pinch of shit in the manure pile, as far as I'm concerned. The 3408s were horrible. The 3406s weren't all that good. They don't have a lot of journal overlap. How many times have we heard of guys breaking a crank and a cat? I, I think, Kevin, you broke yep, one. I know several that, people yep. that, that have broke. Exactly. And it all has to do with that journal overlap. And yeah. uh, when people say cats were the best engine ever, I cringe. Cause I look at that crankshaft and go, what in the hell crack are you smoking? <laughs> and, and I know a lot of people are going to hate me for that, but that's just, that's just the fact when you look at that and Kevin, I sent you that picture. And if, if you could post that or something, look at the journal overlap on a Volvo and look at the journal overlap and take a C15 versus a D13 Volvo. And the D13 Volvo has like twice the journal overlap on the crankshaft. And, this, and so that's always my, Mm-hmm. Well, that, that term journal overlap, I, I'm not familiar. Are you talking about the width of the journal or, or no, what is that? It's where, so you have the, the main journal in the crankshaft and then you have the rod journal and then where they butt together, yeah. how much do they overlap each other where they butt together? That is what oh. you're looking for to see how strong that crank and the longer the stroke of the engine, the less journal overlap you're going to have by design. And a cat has a long stroke. And then you take that big piston, because it's a big bore, right? And imagine the G-forces coming down as that thing's coming to bottom dead center. And you've got this itty-bitty little journal. You can see why they break crankshafts. Sure. And, and, and why they fatigue. You know, it's, it, people go, oh, it was just metal fatigue. It's the crankshaft design because it flexes a lot during operation and it does fatigue faster. There is no doubt. Sure. 
There, there yeah, is no doubt. Sense. So, it's, it's you know, flexing I'm, that whole time. We, yeah. it, right. We we ran cats in our in my brother's fleet at one point years and years ago, and uh, I still can when when I hear people say that, and it, it mostly comes from owner operators that oh the cats are the greatest engines in the world. There's a reason that they're not over the road trucks, and it's not just because they they failed at the emissions. When you really compare the cost to operate them in a fleet environment, it ain't pretty. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, the, I can you know, see that. Yep. The fuel mileage wasn't quite up to par with the Cummins of the Detroit, and they had some some durability issues. They just did. And uh, now I understand there's people out there that can hot rod them and do all this stuff, and that's fine if that's your thing. But to make the statement that a lot of people make that it's the greatest diesel engine ever built, they're just they're smoking crack. All right. No, I just, like I said, I, I was curious, you know, to see if their engineering was, you know, if this was a trend beyond, you know, with manufacturers or... I am sure that just like in the 60s when the V8s came out and they were talking about modern V8s with lower piston speed, the same transition is happening here in diesels. And I would be shocked if this thing was not a downsped design being that they started with a clean sheet of paper. You're probably going to see a very stout crankshaft in it, and you're not going to see the, the, the goofy geometry of the, of the rod leaning hard over into the, the cylinder wall and giving you all that thrust loading on the piston. I would be shocked if that was the case. But I have sure. not okay. seen those numbers yet. Yeah. So I, in case anybody wants to see them, I just posted those uh, the images you sent me, Joel, on uh, truckingtribe.com. So they're uh-huh. up there. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. There's a little picture of Lane's journal overlap and what you're looking for. And, and that, oh, cool. that, to me, really, really is your basis for why would I want this engine versus this engine. The first thing I look at is the crankshaft. And if, if you've got a, a good design on the crankshaft, you know, then go from there. But when, you're, when your journal overlap starts to narrow up, got to think real hard about what you're doing good stuff let's go to uh indiana mike welcome to the program hey it's nice to talk to you guys today uh i have a question for joel on the x-15 i've driving now it's one of the new 2023 internationals and i heard you talk Mm -hmm. earlier about bringing the rpms down and all that and Mm -hmm. the way it's set up right now they've got it i run about about 65, 67. And 65, mm-hmm. 67, it's right at about 1150, 1200 RPM. And then mm-hmm. when I start to pull it, you know, some of these hills and all that, it'll automatically just shift down right away and run up the RPMs like 1500. It's exactly 15, what you want it to do. Yep. Now, when you are under load and you're pulling hard, RPM doesn't really hurt you because you're under load. You're, you need that 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 rpm for horsepower because we we know what horsepower is it's it's torque times rpm right. divided by 5252 so there's that interaction there now i i would have to work through a bunch of numbers to to see what your tractive effort is and what's going on but essentially you want a truck when it's running out on the flat under low power demand to run an overdrive and lay the RPM down from anywhere between 900 to 1100 RPM, depending on the brand. That's where you want it to cruise on the mm-hmm. flat. And then the second you hit a hill, you want it to downshift. That's what you do not, okay. you don't want to pull a hill in overdrive. Overdrive gear divides torque, and it is not meant to pull loads. Although 
for whatever reason, in the last you know few years or decades, we kind of said, oh, it's a truck's a wimp if it has to downshift. We want it to downshift. That's that's exactly what we want to happen. Okay, so in other words, I don't want, I don't want to try and drag it down to like eleven fifty or eleven twenty five. Well, here's here's the thing, and the end it's an X fifteen. Now Cummins and Packard both have a different base architecture than what the Detroit and the Volvo have. So they have a a longer stroke with a shorter connecting rod. And when you pull those engines down very, very low, they have a bad habit of spitting those right out the side of the block. I am not a fan of running the Cummins down super low. I think you're in the range of where you need to be. I My understanding is you can take them down to 1050, and Cummins is okay with that on their efficiency series engines. Okay. No, lower than that. Well, no. You, I mean, it'll go from. I'll be on a, a flat and just pulling us. Uh, not sure who we. Oh, I think we lost. Uh, we lost the call. We lost Joel. We lost the caller. I have no idea what happened there. Henry, are you still, still here? here? Yeah, you're still here, and you can hear me, can't yep. you? All right. So it wasn't on my end. I don't know what happened to those two. Dropped at the same time, which is kind of bizarre. Um, looks like Joel's already coming back in. Oh, he was. Nope, he's gone again. I was just about to wrap this up after this call, um, but I kind of want to say goodbye to Joel. Um, I don't see him coming back in yet, though. I thought it was me at first that everybody was getting sketchy. I was losing signal, but... Yeah, it's not us. It's not us. I think it was them. And I don't see him coming back in here, so I have a feeling uh, Joel hit a black hole. Uh, Henry, I guess it's up to us to wrap this up. Let's do it. What's Any final words before we go do what we're going to do for the weekend? No, just, you know, know your truck. So much of this, and I, and I run into it, I was at a dealership yesterday, and there was some drivers there complaining about this and that, but they didn't even know how the features work on their truck. Like they didn't know features like descent control. They didn't know how intelligent powertrain management works. And they end up thinking something's wrong. Know your equipment that you have today. I guess that's my final thought of the week. I like it. That was a good one. Thank you for that. All right. I have no final thoughts. I'm just about out of brain cells. So, uh, I'm just going to wrap this up and we'll move on and we'll see you back here next week. And we'll look forward to doing the show next week as a Twitter space. There we go. All right. Fantastic. We will see you next time. Have a great weekend. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.